0: Program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared as a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the
1: surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And if this is thinking, be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the temple of Seth?
0: And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will.
2: I'm Khalid,
3: And today, coming back pretty quick with another round of questions from the Grotto of Truth Discord.
2: Yes. Where are we in time right now? These questions are from 2021.
3: The very end of uh, 2021. very end of
2: 2021. Yeah. All right. We're going to conquer
3: nice. this year at some point. We'll get there. But we got some good ones today. This is Grotto Q&A 21. So, you know, we're well into the end uh, yeah, the 20s now. And uh, we got some good ones today. Mm-hmm. Good ones to uh, dive into. Yeah. So I don't know. Without further ado, let's, let's just do it. I guess I'll read number one from Wood Guilt from November 21st, 2021. And uh, they ask a very simple question Was Paul Wellstone murdered?
0: Mm,
2: yeah, this is, um, I mean, this is a pretty suspicious one. I feel like mm-hmm. because first of all, like it's someone who if they died in an untimely manner, then it would be suspicious inherently, and they also died in like one of the susest ways to die, like a plane crash. In ter- small like with plane respect crash. to that, yes, yeah, small plane crash. Mm-hmm. So I mean I guess a small plane crash is less sus than a large plane crash because like, you know, those are more liable to crash, I think, probably. Um, sure, sure yeah that's the official like line by the way is that the pilot of his plane just like sucked he just sucked <laughs> yeah exactly. he was just a terrible but, pilot and he like stopped he
3: flew into a snowstorm
2: it, he like stalled the plane like he forgot uh-huh. to like maintain airspeed and it just stalled <laughs> and it just <laughs> fell out of the sky like, that's how bad of a pilot he was With which is like US why Senator was that guy paul wellstone's pilot like even if like it's true that that guy, like I don't know, I feel like it sucks that like they had such a, an incompetent pilot to begin with. But definitely,
3: definitely. Like the
2: people who that guy's incompetence ended up killing happened to be like Paul Wellstone, who like possibly had like a presidential future at least, mm-hmm. you know. Um, people
3: forget. People forget about Senator Wellstone, and like it. This really made me feel nostalgic going back and just digging into some of the old stuff that was written about this because, really. There was quite a bit written in kind of the, like the two thousands conspira blogger, and also like just like left liberal anti Bush yeah. kind of sphere. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of writing on this, and then it kind of like dropped off around like two thousand five, two thousand six, and then has sort of been low key like memory hold, and nobody ever talks about it anymore. And you'd probably be deemed like not serious. Yeah, if I feel you, like
2: a lot of people probably don't even remember who Paul Wellstone was. they uh-huh. are like. You know, like a lot of, I mean, which I guess, you know, maybe is fair enough. Like a lot of things happened, like in American politics uh, since then. But still, I feel like he was a big figure at the time, Um, Mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, a crazy event that, yeah, naturally people wondered, and you know, it was like kind of right after nine eleven. So it's like, hey, you know, (laughs) like uh, while we're while we're you know, while we're at it, but. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of um, planes
3: crashing. Yeah, but. Um, they they, but, they just
2: happen to find that guy in the flight school and they're like, hey, this guy sucks. Like, um, <laughs> yeah,
3: but. They found the worst pilot in the world, the um, MK, into crashing his own plane. But no, I don't even think that's what happened because just going over some of the old school. Like sources, it it really jumped jumped out at me that uh, as as one website slash documentary is titled Wellstone, they killed him, <laughs> um, which I think kind of just sums it up. I'm pretty convinced that something weird happened to Senator Wellstone's plane, and then when you look at the context, maybe one reason why. So many people have kind of memory hold it or never think about it is because it almost feels like a completely different bygone era where there were Democrats that were not completely in lockstep with like
2: the, the FBI. war machine. Yeah, um, True. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was one of the big like a lot of them back then still like were and he was he like voted against like the resolution to invade Iraq. Uh, yeah, I forget 10. how
3: many senators voted against it, but it was very few, right? Yeah,
2: uh, I think I voted against Iraq War. I, Bernie Sanders is one of them, right? Um, well, he was in
3: the House back then.
2: Oh, he was. Okay.
3: Yeah, let me look. Okay, let me look at the the numbers here. Author, authorization for Use of Military Force Against Iraq Resolution. Let's see. It passed two two 296 to 133 in the House and passed the Senate 7723. So there were actually 23, I'm presuming they were all Democrats, voted against it. But Paul Wellstone was like kind of a a big leading voice of them, uh, Mm -hmm. essentially. Very vocal against it. And there was kind of a Midwestern vibe back in those days. Like I remember because I did go, maybe it's one of the reasons that lured me to the Midwest to go to college in uh, Wisconsin for two years because they had a relatively very progressive senator, Russ Feingold, back then, who was, I think... The only senator, uh, I don't even think Paul Wellstone, uh, voted, you know, uh, to not authorize the Patriot Act. I Mm -hmm. mean... yeah, I think Feingold was the only senator that was like, nah, I'm not into it. Yeah. Yeah. And he eventually kind of got like low key hustled out. I feel like in, I feel like the Democrats sort of like did not enthusiastically kind of support his Mm reelection. Maybe it was in 2010 when he got kind of booted out, you know, so in Minnesota and Wisconsin, you did have these kind of like weird old school, kind of more, a little more populist and, lefty and less like militaristic democrats back Mm -hmm. then it sounds i mean on the one hand it's like ooh, democrats they're gonna oppose the war we it's like we all know they're not at the end end of the day they're all cowards they're all gonna blah 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 and i mean i don't want to oversell paul wellstone's like bona fides as like a left-wing badass warrior and stuff like he was a liberal Mm mm-hmm but I think in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, it, it like took some time to get everybody on the same page with like the sort of global war on terror agenda that the Bush administration and he was
2: definitely like elite, like a leader of that, I think, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. just because it wasn't like what we would want just because he wasn't like, you know, burning his passport and like screaming <laughs> about how it was like a horrible injustice and like a crime. Yeah, you know, doesn't mean that like he wasn't a threat to people because I think that he was like I think that like at that time I almost feel like that type of like crunchy like lib like you know like uh just even like considering like you know a, a slightly less bellicose position was like just like beyond the pile like it was just like absolutely repugnant like leftist like crap you know it was like treason that's um, true like the the intensity
3: with which Um, that type of position was treated with back then i mean really like the right was like really the driving force but there were like a lot of liberals who kind of like low-key you know either said nothing or kind of quietly went along with it or got bullied very easily in a kind of going along with it, but like, yeah, if you were if you were just like a normal liberal that was like skeptical that we should invade Iraq, you're like a fucking communist, America hating, like Muslim yeah. loving piece of fucking hippie, shit. like <laughs>
2: yeah. you know, freak. Yeah,
3: um, you don't understand how the fucking world works. Like yeah, like shit like that. I remember uh, like, like when dangerously
2: I was a, naive and like ignorant and like yeah, like a serious like subversive threat to the. And that's I think part of the reason why you see like you know outlets or p- people who are sort of pundits or public intellectuals who you wouldn't generally expect to be like trafficking and that kind of speculation. Like at that time, we're more comfortable with it because like that's already like that was the level of like hostility that there was to like even that. And uh, the ideological war was definitely lost by uh, the people who uh, oppose the the Iraq war, uh, for sure. So Definitely. Yeah.
3: Even when public opinion, like even when Wellstone was essentially vindicated after his death, like nobody talked about him or brought him up. And I think, you know, going into, because this happened uh, in late 2002, like right before the 2002 midterm elections with, a hot, with like the Senate kind of up in the air, like if he had one reelection, which was pretty, like it was kind of close, but... I think that um, he had good odds of winning and getting reelected to the Senate, and then there would have been the 2004 election cycle. And we, all, I guess, you know, for those who don't remember exactly how that shook out, is you had a <laughs> bunch of like milk toast. Like establishment Democrats, like yeah. John Kerry, and, for duty. Um, yeah, yeah, like Dick Gephardt, and like all the and John Edwards and people like that, you know, that all basically <laughs> voted to authorize the war in Iraq. But but even by two thousand three, we're like hemming and hawing. Like yeah. I voted to cons- to have the option on the table. Like, but I didn't yeah. mean to, you know, it was all that kind of tortured shit. But then you had Governor Howard Dean, like the radical, I guess you know, almost like. It was a proto birdie. It was like this Vermont guy that shows up. Oh, like right. Not yeah, really a, a big
2: quantity. But he, but he screamed weirdly. And that was well, the eventually end of it. That scream. Um, ah! Yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, but, the, the, the and Wall that like Himes destroyed scream. his entire political future, which is like amazing, amazing. in retrospect. <laughs> Just that amazing. That yeah. Yeah
3: that that would like puncture his seriousness that they were able to meme that into like, he's not serious. You can't vote. Yeah, for him. And exactly.
2: And now look where we collapsed. fucking are. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah, I mean,
3: he and Howard Dean ended up being a, li- he was like a Eugene McCarthy guy where it's like, he was kind of on the better side of history. But in retrospect, he seems kind of like sus, especially after yeah. he ran, he just became, I think the head of the DNC and then just became like a kind of Clinton Obama era lib and, pretty much had nothing to say about like Obama bombing people overseas was like mm-hmm. pretty much totally cool with it. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but he was the one that ended up taking that mantle and then like imploding of like the anti-war candidate. And if Paul Wellstone had been alive, there was a lot of speculation back in 2002 that like he might be the dude to run and represent this wing of the party that was like, you know, skeptical of the Iraq war. And, I mean, even eventually, like, Obama would win. Everyone, like, forgets this now, but, like, the real street cred of Obama was that... Like, he had always been critical of the Iraq War since it yeah, started. Right. Like, he wasn't in a position to really vote on it or do anything. But That was the it big was like a dumb point
2: of difference between him and Hillary. Yeah, exactly. Like, we should have mm-hmm. been in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's what he always said. Um, and, or, and us,
3: like, you know, little little liberals and millennials and shit, like, cared about that a lot in, like, yeah. 2007 no, and it 2008. Was a big that deal. seems significant. And I think it was a
2: big deal to a lot of people. I think that was one of the main reasons why he defeated Hillary. I mean, yeah, in addition yeah. to, like, his superior charisma ultimately. Um, but Uh, he was rizzed
3: out the fucking gills. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Um, He, he but
2: he rizzed up the electorate, um,
3: but yeah, like, a, yeah, I mean, there was like layers to it, like, you know, African-American with like a Muslim foreign sounding name. And then whose middle name is Hussein, yeah, my God, Barack, you know, Hussein, like, Obama. Yeah, yeah. Hussein Obama, yeah, like yeah. People, yeah, some people lost their shit with that. But it really was like that was his position. He was able to be a little more vague on everything else. But as long as he could say, well, I was against it like before it happened and everyone's like, okay, that's credible. And so he ended up kind of taking the mantle. So I'm not saying that like Paul Wellstone would have become like the Obama or whatever, like they probably would have neutralized him in some other way if he, you know, kept his antics up. Cause that clearly was sort of the, you know, direction, the overall, like yeah, Obama literally won.
2: I forgot that he like won the Nobel peace prize just, like, for being elected. That's, like, how significant, like, it was. <laughs> and then he went there and
3: gave a speech and is like, I'm not going to stop, you know, using the U.S. military. Yeah. Like, don't get your hopes up. And everyone's right. like, oh, okay, mm. that was weird. But, uh, but yeah, Paul Wellstone, I mean, you can really get a good tour of the, like I said, the early 2000s, like, conspira blogosphere, which was in some ways actually, I know I say all the time that, like, oh, if you got into conspiracy theory kind of media in like the 90s or earlier decades it was always libertarian and kind of like gold bugs and you know paranoid people like that and there was like kind of no left-leaning conspiracy thing but there i mean there
2: kind of was like i would yeah i mean when uh, this has come up before like i've said like basically like the more suspicious and distrustful you are of the government or the more like hostile you are to like the government and mm -hmm. those institutions like the and it sh- definitely shifts over time. They're definitely having, like, crests and uh, valleys. But certainly at that time, yeah, as you we were saying, like, this was definitely a heyday of that type of thing. I think the reason why libertarians are so heavily represented is because, like, they're very distrustful of, like, the federal government. <laughs> like, fundamentally, they just don't think it should pretty, exist, pretty, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that is naturally given to, like, you know, any kind of, like, conspiracy theories that uh, implicate the government and like extreme wrongdoing or, you know, that's true crimes you know? where
3: i i where i think as people with both more mainstreamish liberal and conservative sentiments uh tend to ebb and flow depending on like who's in control of the government at the time yeah.
2: i mean re- don't where, forget like a uh, fahrenheit nine eleven, 11 right and michael moore like he was pretty like he's pretty oh, yeah. much like the ultimate lib like he's not like you know uh and anything- he got
3: pretty damn close yeah. to like almost saying bush did nine eleven. He he w- he wouldn't go the full way but he like he was noticing things, you know, was like, like a in that
2: And that was like a super mainstream like lib movie, you know, like it was, it was not, like a blockbuster. it was not like loose change or something like that. No, it, yeah, exactly. that was, a, in fact, I saw it in theaters, yeah. like
3: it yeah. was a big deal. And, um, yeah. but and at then, the same time then, he then,
2: got booed at the Oscars for saying that, uh, war is bad and everything, but yeah.
3: Can you imagine a <laughs> <yeah, the laughs> bunch of liberals like booing the shit out of Michael Boren? It was a very different time. That. Uh, it was,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: it really was like, um. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so it was, it was rough out there for, yeah. you know, people that were trying to, uh, you know, uh, question official narratives, but you did have some like old heads of that era. I think one big one is, uh, a guy we've brought up from time to time, Michael C. Rupert, um, copvca.com, uh, who, you know, had the, uh, from the wilderness blog, that was really in its heyday, I'd say, like in the early 2000s. Like he was publishing stuff every week that was digging into various things. And I'd say, you know, I don't know, eventually Michael Rupert kind of, I feel like got psyoped by like the idea of peak oil and it like derailed him like later in the 2000s. But in the early 2000s, he's really... Like just zeroed in on like Dick Cheney and the bushes and like these scumbag like drug trafficking deep state motherfuckers and I mean he gave the presentation right after nine eleven that was mm-hmm. like talking about the insider trading the anomalies things like that like even before there was a cohering nine eleven truth movement he was mm-hmm. already like digging into dirt about that so naturally he wrote a lot of stuff about uh, Wellstone's thing kind of you know his plane crash being. Highly suspicious. Uh, another person I think that touched on it was Sherman Skolnick, uh, somebody that came up. God, maybe it was in our Yankee and Cowboy episode around the Watergate thing. Remember that?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Sherman Skolnick, very interesting guy. Um, I'm gonna be getting into him vis a vis like some sort of like Liberia adjacent stuff. Uh, he didn't write directly about it, but he wrote a lot of like his archive is very interesting from like the 90s and the 2000s because he was he was calling things out like before big things happened, just, you know, like he was aware of like Al Qaeda stuff, like in the late nineties, that was like highly sus that nobody else is really talking about. And like, you know, before or like the Bush's relationship with like, you know, drug trafficking, money laundering people and all kinds of things. And, uh, I think he wrote, uh, it's linked in one of these summaries I found, but he wrote like a history of like sus plane crashes thing mm-hmm. where he goes into all these different instances um Hale boggs is one that comes up a lot he's a member of the warren commission larry mcdonald the head of the uh john birch society who died on the korean the weirdly numbered korean airlines flight a 007 that mm-hmm. like weirdly flew into so, like 300 miles into soviet territory and got shot down in the early 80s um just a lot of weird weird shit like that um but i mean it a lot of it holds up pretty well, I would say. So, like, let me see. I'm trying to look at the uh, oocities.org slash Wellstone Crash that kind of, like, summarizes a lot of these early articles. And mm-hmm, it does yeah. give you a sense of how people... A lot of them how are, people... are
2: gone. It's weird. Yeah, oh, like yeah. You, yeah, you can click on any of them. Yeah. You'd have
3: to go archive.org. Maybe they're still there on that. But uh, a lot of them are all down yeah. sad about the internet right it's not forever yeah maybe i'll I'll just read a little bit of this like it, it quotes from mike rupert's articles and lays out you know sort of what they think happened and how you know the official story just doesn't quite add up um so this uh this old article uh is titled was wellstone assassinated and uh <clears throat> i don't know who this author is actually but uh but regardless they write the first question really was how could anyone be crazy enough not to ask the question seriously it has become quite fashionable to heap instant disdain and superior ridicule on any talk of foul play and conspiracy in high places as a sign of quote mania or paranoia but as some have pointed out the fact that so many people were quick to raise suspicions is nothing but a healthy sign regardless of what the story turns out to be perhaps the public is starting to wake up to reality and understand it does happen here What is undeniable is that politics by airplane crash is an old tradition and has been practiced around the world. Many people quickly recalled other shady, quote, accidents from the past. Some pointed out by Mike Rupert are uh, Representative Hale Boggs from Louisiana was killed in 1972 and had been an outspoken member of the Warren Commission investigating the assassination of JFK. Various sources reported he had openly expressed doubts about the commission's findings, Representative Jerry Litton of Missouri was killed while campaigning for a U.S. Senate seat from Missouri nearly two months before the 1976 election. This was exactly the same fate that was to befall Missouri Democratic Governor Mel Carnahan 24 years later. Representative Larry McDonald of Georgia, national chairman of the John Birch Society and creator of a private intelligence operation called Western Goals, was killed on Korean Airlines 007 after it mysteriously veered off course on a flight to South Korea and ventured several hundred miles into Soviet territory shot down by the Soviet Air Force. At the time, McDonald's Western Goals was being exposed in an LAPD intelligence scandal linked to massive domestic spying, the CIA, and covert operatives like General John Singlaub. Representative Larkin Smith of of Mississippi was killed in a private plane crash in 1989. At the time, he had been working with veterans of U.S. Army Special Forces, looking into the deaths of five Green Beret colonels, all of whom had been connected to a covert CIA drug operation known as Watchtower. And Secretary of Commerce Ron Brown, a Democrat, actually, yeah, ooh, I'd forgotten about this, a Democrat was killed in a plane crash in Croatia In April 1996. There are many unresolved mysteries with this incident, not the least of which is a color photograph of a post-mortem brown, which is frequently displayed by comedian activist Dick Gregory, clearly showing a bullet wound in the back of his skull. Also, somebody I'm going to talk about soon, uh, Senator John Tower, a recently retired Republican senator from Texas known for his heavy drinking, was writing a book about the Iran-Contra affair when he was killed in a plane crash in 1991. Tower had reportedly been extremely unhappy when he had been denied an appointment as Secretary of Defense by President George H.W. Bush. Tower had also been the chairman of a Reagan-appointed independent commission investigating Iran-Contra uh, where he served alongside General Brent Scowcroft, uh, Bush's national security advisor. So, I mean, that that's just a few right there, right? That, that's uh, hmm, yeah. interesting. Now about the plane itself, they quote a bunch of weird things that were said about the official story. So, the following article nails the fundamental problems of the mass media's instant mantras about bad weather and icing, as well as other forensic anomalies. As CNN first reported, the crews on the ground found two large sections of plane. The tail section was intact. The weather did not have anything to do with the crash, said the on-the-scene reporter. Wolf Blitzer tried to correct her. He said, the plane was flying into the storm of freezing rain, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you,
3: Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. There's no evidence and- that weather had anything to do with the crash. The on-scene reporter stuck to her guns. Hmm. So Wolf Blitzer, yeah. hmm, ain't nothing new with him, right? Well,
2: that's but that's true even by the current like official story I think, which again is that the pilot just like lost airspeed, like after they investigated, like you know, or whatever. That's like what they came up with. But there was on that like you know site that like compiles all the articles uh, that came out around the time. Uh, having uh-huh. to do with uh, the speculation that Wellstone was killed deliberately. There was one from uh, Portland indie Media that he excerpted that m- made a point that uh, this was like for the last, you know, 14 months, it said like after 9-11, anytime yeah. there was a plane crash, everyone, Im- everyone in the media immediately said that it could it be terrorists. Right. That was like the uh, yeah, person they yeah. jumped to. But, you know, Mm -hmm. they said, like, uh, Sherlock Holmes solved at least one case by noticing that something that should be present was missing, right? In the hand of the Baskervilles, he solved the case by noticing that no one reported a barking dog. And so, in this case, you know, the media dog has been barking terrorists steadily for 14 months. Today, the dog didn't bark. Like, you know, no one mentioned that. It was only the weather, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, suddenly. media immediately knows this plane was caused by bad weather, which not even... Like didn't even hold up, like in terms of the, you know, coincidence theory of what happened. Totally, um,
3: totally. It's also worth pointing out that in terms of senators being targeted, especially Democratic senators being targeted, this is not that long after. Remember the anthrax scandal yeah, where shit was like anthrax uh, that turned out to actually be from a government lab ultimately. And that's a whole another rabbit hole in terms of like who actually did that. But they sent envelopes that said, like, praise Allah, like death to America uh, or something to uh, yeah. Senator Tom Daschle and Senator Patrick Leahy, who were the Democratic majority leader of the Senate. And I, the, Leahy had a bunch of he was the chair of some committee, but he mm-hmm. was important, uh, an important senator. And that. You know, some people have speculated that that was a little bit of like a shot across the bow of like, you better vote for like the fucking Patriot Act and the fucking Iraq War and like everything else. Like, don't fuck with us. Like, if you guys are thinking of, you know, trying to push back against the Bush administration and starting all these wars, like, uh, don't or else a, or or a terrorist might target you, you know. And actually, the Portland India media article noted there that, Just a few days, I guess, before Wellstone's plane crash, there was a news story that al-Qaeda might be targeting U.S. senators in the future and refer to the possibilities of sniper attacks on golf courses. Wow. And then a few days later, Wellstone crashes. So and the media doesn't Speculation even... Speculation
2: about, like, types of terrorist attacks that were going to happen right after 9-11 was so oh insane. And it's still, like, an amazing genre of, like, media production. Like, really the, like Bin Laden's secret base with the dirty bombs in Disneyland, the sniping uh-huh. and the golf courses. Like, they just, yeah. like... God. attacking malls they like went into a tizzy yeah the malls the the Halloween mall bombings right all this stuff like they 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 became like like totally wrapped up in like all this rhapsodizing about like all the possible ways that we are going to be attacked like every single week Um yeah yeah and, and i was thought it was stayed in that delusion for like a long ass time even though nothing else happened um
3: i remember by the mid 2000s Feeling a little bit like, I wouldn't even call it sussed out back then, but I noticed it was a little odd. That was like, why hasn't Al-Qaeda done a bunch of like low effort kind of lone wolf, like just like shoot up a mall or like blow up some random thing in like a suburb? Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, if they just did that periodically... It would, like, bring America, like, to its... It, like, America would go insane, basically, yeah. with, like, fear and, like, paranoia and stuff. And, like, that Which seems is like, weird,
2: because there is, like, a mass shooting every single week, but... Uh, um, yeah. yeah, and then, I, I, honestly, ISIS, um,
3: like, ISIS and these other offshoots of Al-Qaeda did kind of uh, employ that strategy in Europe and the U.S., like, in the 2010s, like, but, like, uh, way later. So it was almost like a... Di- It was almost like a whole different crew, you know, whole different crews were doing this this, than...
2: This ties into, like, a later question, I think, in certain ways, too. But, like, the idea that, like, there were all these, like, diehard Al-Qaeda cells. Like, you know, there's Mm -hmm. definitely enough, like you know, like quasi MK, like, you know, disaffected people to like do mass shootings constantly in the U.S. But there weren't really mm-hmm. like all these like Al Qaeda operatives like in like embedded deep in the U.S., like ready to do like a weekly mass shooting, even though they. Yeah, had, yeah, there really and weren't so much was justified in the idea that they were. <laughs> but anyway, Absolute, absolutely.
3: Uh, yeah. They're also an- another thing, um, you know, they, they favorably quote here from, you know, and I think it's all right. Um, The uh, Trotskyist World Socialist website. Oh, right, yeah.
2: um, Noting that although he was a bourgeois politician, there are ramifications (laughs) resulting from his death that are of importance even to more radical thinkers who don't share his liberal view. Funny. Fair Um, enough. That was was
3: definitely the Trot vibe but like Uh the early 2000s. But they did point out That interesting info and speculation here about the political connections of Raytheon, the maker of Wellstone's aircraft, the possibility of electronic jamming in the crash, and very importantly, reports of a televised witness who saw a bright white flash similar to witness testimony in the suspicious crash of JFK Jr. That's another one that people kind of speculate about right um where the also same excuse is like JFK jr was a fucking shitty pilot and he just like crashed in the ocean and like it it, like it it's just okay like that's Mm -hmm. you know it sounds vaguely accurate but yeah i don't know there's just weird shit so you know eratheon was the maker of it a lot of other people did kind of bring up the kind of idea of like electronic jamming or using some kind of electronic frequency weapon to uh to, like, short out the electricity and the instrument on the plane, which would make it just sort of stall out and fall. Also, let's see, a Christopher Bolin of uh, AFP. I don't know if that's, like, Agence France Press or, Mm -hmm. like, American Freedom Press. But it does say, it's an article called Wellstone in September 11th, The Uncanny Connections. And they said that the plane's wings were detached in the crash... But it was the fuselage that burned and disintegrated in an intense fire. Since the Beechcraft's fuselage contains no fuel, only the wings do, how did the fuselage burn up while well, the wings stayed partially intact, as seen in photos? Why did witnesses see blue gray smoke instead of the usual thick black smoke from aviation fuel fires? Hmm, interesting uh, that, too. Yeah. That's like a, a, what, it's like a Gary Caradori thing, more like the plane like broke up in midair, but. Like, there's no good explanation for why...
2: Uh, you know mm-hmm. Michael C. Rupert, right? Um, oh friend, yeah, 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 yeah. He he had some stuff about this in his in his newsletter at the time from the Wilderness. Um, yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. I was
3: referencing earlier. Oh yeah, um, you, that's thought you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, copbca.com.
2: Um, yeah, he um, <laughs> right. <laughs> he brought up like a I don't I don't know. If, did you did you mention this like I he this part where he says a uh, FEW was able to receive comments on the crash from two Democratic members of the House of Representatives, both who spoke in the condition of anonymity, stated that they believe. Wellson had been murdered. One said, I don't think there's anyone on the hill who doesn't suspect it. It's too convenient, too coincidental, too damned obvious. My guess is that some of the less courageous members of the party are thinking about becoming Republicans right now. It is a rare occurrence when this writer refers to a quotation from an unnamed CIA source. I have demonstrated in at least four interviews with staff, with the staffs of both the Senate and the House Intelligence Committees established that I know sources who have worked for the CIA in some very nasty covert operations. The day after the crash, I received a message from a former CIA operative who has proven extremely reliable in the past and who is personally familiar with these kinds of assassinations. The message read, as I said earlier, having played ball and still playing in some respects with this current crop of reinvigorated old white men, these clowns are nobody to screw around with. There will be a few more strategic accidents. You can be certain of that. Oh my god! Um, yeah, mm. and he also notes interestingly. I mean, again, sometimes like this doesn't necessarily indicate anything, but I think it's a it's worth noting. It's kind of an, an eerie story. Someone was actually able to predict this. One anonymous author named uh, he was going by the name I think uh, Vox Fox or something. Uh, mm-hmm. He said that it would be like a uh, Mel Carnahan style hit targeting who was Who was also Wellstone. died in a plane crash. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah, And was like a Democrat, uh, you know, who was elected to the U.S. Senate posthumously. They, they posted um, this on the internet? In plane crash. Yeah. Um, but beforehand. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, so you know
3: who else kind of predicted it? Who? Um, according to this op-ed news article by Jackson Thoreau in 2004, uh, Vice President Dick Cheney, I just want to read a little here because this is also crucial context. Um, They start by saying a quote from Senator Wellstone, I'm for the little fellers, not the Rockefellers. Uh Mm. Uh-oh, not a good sign. So they say that shortly before he died, in a mysterious plane crash 11 days prior to the 2002 elections, Minnesota Senator Paul Wellstone met with Vice President Dick Cheney, probably the Bush administration's most evil public face. Cheney was rounding up Senate support for the October 2002 vote on giving the administration carte blanche to invade Iraq with or without blessing from the U.N. Cheney's strong-armed opposing politicians like the most vindictive of mafioso leaders and opponents usually gave in, but not Wellstone. Whatever you thought of his progressive brand of politics, he wasn't a wimp, and that's what made him more than dangerous in the eyes of people like Cheney. So Mm. this is where the little prediction comes in. At a meeting full of war veterans in Wilmar, Minnesota, days before his death, Wellstone told attendees that Cheney told him, quote, if you vote against the war in Iraq, the Bush administration will do whatever is necessary to get you. There will, be severe <laughs> ramica- yeah. there will be severe ramifications for you in the state of Minnesota. Wellstone cast his vote for his conscience and against the Iraq measure. The lone Democrat involved in a tough 2002 election campaign to do so. And a few weeks later, on October 25th, as he appeared to be winning his reelection bid, Wellstone, his wife Sheila, his daughter... Uh, Marsha Markison, three campaign staffers, and two pilots died in the plane crash in Minnesota. Talk about severe ramifications. (laughs) Yeah, he says, my first hunch upon hearing of the tragedy was that the Beach King Air A-100 was tampered with by right-wingers, possibly the CIA, either directly or through electromagnetic rays or some psychic mind games. (laughs) Interesting. I don't know about that. Then he goes on to talk about Jim Fetzer, who uh, later became infamous for his Sandy Hook. Theories, but i guess was still a kind of um like respectable voice in the kind of conspiracy alt media back then who i guess wrote that an fbi recovery team headed out to investigate the wellstone plane crash before the plane went down he says uh, i calculate that this team would have had to have left the twin cities at about the same time the wellstone plane was taking Off, He compares that to Dallas police putting out an APB for accused JFK assassin Lee Harvey Oswald at 12.43 p.m. uh, in 1963 for shooting a police officer when the officer was not shot until 23 minutes later. Uh, Fetzer also noted that Wellstone's plane was exceptional, the pilots well qualified, and the weather posed no significant problems. He wrote that we have to consider other less palatable alternatives, such as small bombs gas canisters or electromagnetic pulse radio frequency or high energy radio frequency weapons designed to overwhelm electrical circuitry with an intense electromagnetic field an abrupt cessation of communication between the plane and the tower took place at about 10:18 a.m. the same time an odd cell phone phenomenon occurred with a driver in the immediate vicinity this suggests to me that the most likely explanation is that one of our new electromagnetic weapons was employed mm. So, well, okay. I mean, even
2: leaving that aside, I sure. think, you know, th- this is one other possible explanation outside of the EMP. It's not to say that there might not be targeted energy weapons or electromagnetic pulses that could be used potentially, but also you can cause an airplane to like crash in that way. By like modifying shit like at the IFR or whatever, right? I think that this happened in like Die Hard too, right? Yes, Die Someone Hard 2, exactly. This. Yeah, uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Where
3: they the like the yeah. the navigation was like hacked and then made incorrect, so they would just like plow into the ground instead of landing accurately in like zero yes, visibility. Yes,
2: exactly. Um, if you yeah recalibrate the airport's IFR approach equipment. And reset like the sea level or the altitude or something. I mean, some uh, people who work in air traffic control have like disputed the like possibility of that like die hard situation, but I feel like maybe could be within the capabilities of someone, of people who like, you know, had uh, really wanted to make something like that occur. I know? guarantee
3: they have the technology to like do that if they really wanted to. The only thing I would say is that like, it's quite possible that, like, a bomb or some kind of sabotage of, like, the plane itself, like, before it took off is, like, you know, just as equally likely and actually might be like, perfectly sufficient to blow up a Senator's airplane. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they were doing it back in the 70s, like, there are many ways to sabotage an airplane to make it yeah, sort of, I mean, absolutely. the easiest one, just putting a bomb on it and then it blows up and yeah, then you just so like... Also cut. could
2: have just been a bomb too, yeah. Um, and you do a
3: cover-up, like Gary Caridori's one seemed like a bomb. Some seeing like
2: explosions or things like that around Paul Bellstone's plane. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the so cell
3: phone interference, uh, there were like a few people in the area that did claim that there was something weird going on with people's like cell phones around that time. So that, that, that is intriguing, but... You know, just like with any of these things, we, you know, I think it's uh, it's valuable to look at all the, oh, like, how did they do it? But, like, the most fundamental thing is kind of looking at, like, the means, motive, and opportunity of, uh, of like, you know, did they kill him? And I'm definitely leaning strongly towards, like, yeah, that sounds like that threat from Dick Cheney is pretty chilling yeah. in retrospect, right? Like, we're going to get you if you... Yes. You know, and it was don't like don't right before
2: war. a big election. It's like part of that pattern. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So which, that's what it was. Yeah. He was the
3: only one who was up for re election to vote against the war. Like, there yeah. were safe Democrats that did, but people that were in a tight race, most of them kind of became cowards and just, you know, decided to vote for yeah. it. Yeah. But Wellstone was stubborn and. Oh, yikes. Yes. Um,
2: and that happens with a bunch of people, right? Lytton again, Carnahan in 2000, and Wellstone in 2002 all died in small private airplanes just days before critical elections.
3: Oh, just days before critical elections? Hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yo, oh, in yeah. fact,
2: Carnahan ran in the election against incumbent Republican Senator John Ashcroft. I didn't realize that. No, right? well, wow,
3: wow, yeah. wow. Uh, okay. it just the before the Bush election, gang. the twin
2: engine Cessna airplane he was flying on, which was piloted by his son Randy, lost control in rainy and foggy conditions and crashed in a forded hillside near Golden, Missouri. Oh, my
3: God. Yo, Uh, these sickos, like, I swear (laughs) to God, like, it's a marker of, like, at least one... Either your spouse or one of your children has to be with you, like, when you're killed in your airplane to make it, like, extra evil or something. Like, Gary Caridori, like, most of Wellstone's family died with him on this plane. I mean, I feel like never uh, get
2: into a Cessna, never get into, like, a a small plane, just ever. Just don't do it. Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sussed out. I'm, like,
3: with small planes, like... Uh yeah 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 why would you it's bigger it to, seems to like something a to three yeah. person plane or yeah it seems plane. like
2: worth avoiding well it does tend to be I feel like small aircraft you know tend to be the ones that blow up more often in these ways like and I'm not saying that uh, if they really wanted to get you they might not blow up like a seven forty yeah. seven but uh it seems like a more of a difficult or thing like
3: to, you know remember when the uh, entire Polish government died in a plane crash in Russia in I want to say it was either two thousand nine or twenty ten. Hmm. that was kind of sus too that was a similar hmm. thing of like the pilot sucked and like okay so you just like crashed this fucking plane with like the president and like the entire cabinet yeah. like all these fucking people and then like renewed polish hatred of russia for like another two centuries by doing that um and then blamed it on Putler, etc you know mm, i don't know it just seems like something was weird with that like really did these accidents really fucking happen like that like it's uh I don't know. I don't know, but the the, the timing of all this with Wellstone is like incredibly suspicious. And yeah. You know, they they were they were browbeating certain senators like it, there were a few holdouts in the the democratic side of things uh particularly in, I think the Senate like of course there's like Bernie and like some random democrats in the house that are going to vote against war and stuff like that but you know, they had a solid majority so mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know, with a pedophile Dennis Haster, you know, running the show over in the House, they were pretty they were pretty locked up and good. Right. Uh, but in the Senate, you still had some people with seniority that had some political clout and could maybe sort of constitute like a separate faction of the Democratic Party that was like very skeptical and not down for the Iraq war mm-hmm. from the get go. And just looking at all the gymnastics they did to like maneuver America into doing that off of totally bullshit intelligence and like psyop the entire country i mean it doesn't even barely hold up today like how many people are still like you know what like like i still think he had wmds you know like mm-hmm. that that's an almost a like among i mean conservatives like no they totally abandon. they've like you know uh i guess repented uh to some extent and didn't the or atlantic they like they recently say
2: it. something about how bush had wmds or sorry not bush had how saddam had wmds saddam. or was bush was right that he did um, like, but like
3: from a liberal perspective
2: it was something like that like it was insane like it was some kind or of like Trump uh like writing that, like yeah uh, the intercept talked about it yeah the Atlantic celebrates 20th anniversary of the iraq war with lavish falsehoods about iraq war when uh, questions the Atlantic refused to correct a basic error about chemical weapons in iraq blah blah, blah. So you can
3: see how these things shift over yeah david from
2: wrote in the first paragraph that iraq was found to possess an arsenal of chemical warfare shells and warheads so like you know obviously that's not true And yeah, they said, wrote that in the Atlantic, like, Uh, yeah, they might have had some supplies
3: left over from all that shit. The Carlisle group sold them in the 80s, i.e. like Bush and Rumsfeld, um, because they were doing.
2: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They stumbled upon like like 5000 old shells from the 80s. And, like, oh, you know, no. that yeah. doesn't mean that they, like, had, like, functional weapons of mass destruction that they were going to use. Like, it,
3: they're, yeah. like, unleash small... They're going to do Event 201 in, like, yeah. the New York subway system or something. Yeah, like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, David from I guess he's one of the last true believers that is really still simping for, you know, uh, it, w- it was a good idea. Our hearts were in the right place. But, I mean, the narrative of that is, like, collapsed and, and so... You can see also in retrospect, like the strong arming of various politicians to go along with it when they clearly were for, you know, for a variety of reasons, just not sold on this shit. I mean, I mean, there were even people in the CIA who were like, what? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like this seems like bullshit, you know, but like the people in charge at the time were all fucking about it. And so then you see the anthrax thing happen. One of these articles mentioned a Democratic politician getting sent to jail on trumped up charges but i couldn't for the life of me remember who that was in the early 2000s like um, a potential kind of presidential contender that got like railroaded because i mean i, I don't know, know. it's like Blagojevich later and uh was it a? Uh, oh my god who's then one of those michigan guys that was uh it wasn't john dingle but it was somebody like it was somebody like that like a union guy that was had his hands in all this pentagon pork mirtha john mirtha maybe did he go down eventually i forget that might have been later too but i i think there was like intense pressure being put upon and just like the language of dick cheney to wellstone that like we're gonna fucking get you if you don't vote for this shit like very you know chilling basically threats and then he doesn't and then when it looks like he's going to win you know, I think if he was going to lose, maybe they would have just let him mm-hmm. lose. But the fact that he was going to win, and and that was actually that was almost a little bit like twenty twenty two, and then it was like a, but even more so, it was an anomalous year in midterms because you know, like the conventional wisdom is like the wh- whatever party won the presidency, and you know, one big in the presidential year usually like loses seats, right? Because mm-hmm. like everyone yeah. realizes that like. They voted for like a liar and like, yeah, you know, what's right. happening and shit yeah. like so reliably. You know, people get disappointed and they get voted out. But because of nine eleven and that that heady patriotic period we were in, like the the Republicans took back the Senate in two thousand two, mm-hmm. so they actually made gains. Um, yeah. And then did like pretty well in 2004 as well. So 9-11 created like a very special period where yes. the Bush administration was kind of bulletproof and had a real head of steam. And, you know, these a lot of these, you know, Iran Contra veterans were had carte blanche, you know, they they could they had kind of the run of the place. What do they say? Those old white men who are like very dangerous and are like yeah, this like
2: resurgence of old white men or something. Yeah,
3: this is really this is their last their last ride, their last rodeo in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, and and their attempt to like really build like the American empire that you know the sort of like the existence of the Soviet Union had sort of like frustrated their ability to become this like unipolar hegemon you know over the whole world now they had their chance and people like paul wellstone were not gonna fuck it up you know Mm -hmm. oh wow interesting actually the apparently the beef between the bushes i'm reading later in this article goes back further than kind of the 9-11 era i just want to read this little part yeah they mentioned raytheon raytheon has all kinds of CIA connections as does bush whose father remember was once director of the cia One of the more intriguing discoveries emerged from the NTSB's own investigation of this case was that Raytheon not only manufactured electromagnetic force and EM pulse weapons, but also manufactured the King Air A100. No other entity would have been better positioned to have taken it down. Bush, for his part, issued some strange comments immediately after Wellstone's crash, even for him. Remember, he was stupid and couldn't talk. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) He called Wellstone, who was an articulate, energetic, intelligent political science professor for 21 years before he was a senator, a, quote, plain-spoken fellow. (laughs) He said he wanted to issue his condolences for the loss of the Senate. Did he mean the Democrats' sudden loss of the Senate, which occurred the day Wellstone died? Did he know something <laughs> more than he let Damn. on? I mean, that's true. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure Wellstone, they lost that seat narrowly. Mm-hmm. And then because they lost that seat, the Republicans gained control of the Senate. I think it might've even been 50-50 with Cheney, like being the tiebreaker. It was very close. So like this literally lost the Democrats to the fucking Senate in 2002. Hmm. In- interesting slip of the tongue. Uh, this next section is, Bush once called Wellstone a quote, chicken shit. There was no love lost between the Bush clan and Wellstone. In 1990, as Wellstone challenged the Persian Gulf War preparations, Bush Sr. even referred to Wellstone as a chicken shit. When Wellstone first met Bush Jr. in 2001, the latter disrespectfully called him Pablo. Why would he call him Pablo? Like Pablo Escobar?
2: Mm, Maybe? I guess it's just
3: a Spanish version of, maybe this is like a Spanish nickname for Paul.
2: I guess. That's
3: weird, though. That's weird, uh, considering their cocaine connections. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, uh, as The Nation said in May 2002, getting rid of Wellstone was a passion for Bush, Karl Rove, and Cheney. Quote, There are people in the White House who wake up in the morning thinking about how they will defeat Paul Wellstone, a senior (laughs) Republican aide told The Nation. This one is political and personal for them. No senator had a more consistent record of voting against Bush administration proposals in 2001. Wellstone voted against the Homeland Security Act and many of Bush's judicial nominees. He pushed for stronger environmental programs, for genuine measures to counter corporate fraud, and for investigations into September 11th and the $350 million that was missing from the Bureau of Indian Mm -hmm. Affairs.
2: Um, hmm. I'm reading about Norm Coleman, who defeated um, yes. <laughs> Paul Yes, and then Wellstone. was defeated
3: by the uh, comedy but legend yeah, Al Franken later. Yeah, the
2: hilarious mm. SNL uh, yeah. maf- uh, uh, maestro.
3: He got that lying liar. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Coleman
2: made plans for a second run for governor in 2002, but Karl Rove and George W. Bush persuaded him to challenge incumbent Senator Paul Wellstone in that year's election oh instead. God. Coleman easily won the Republican nomination. Coleman and Wellstone were neck and neck in most polls for most of the campaign. On October 25th, Wellstone died in a plane crash. Democrats chose former Vice President Walter Mondale to replace Wellstone on the ballot. Mondale had held the same Senate seat from uh, 1964 to 1977. Coleman defeated Mondale by just over uh, 61,000 votes. Out of over Damn. two million casts, he succeeded Dean Barkley, whom Ventura had appointed to serve the remaining two months of Wellstone's term. That's Jesse Ventura, who was the governor oh. at that time.
3: See, I mean, Jesse Ventura. No, for well, her, for all like, of his.
2: Yeah. Minnesota um, was
3: going rogue back then. And they yeah. They had to shut it down, you
2: know. No. Well, Jesse Ventura did like just appoint like a, a random like independent to like serve out the term, you know, not a Democrat like he, Dean Barkley. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much yeah. About him.
3: And I don't know what Jesse's view. I remember like Jesse Ventura was, was like then.
2: fuming mad over Paul Wilson's funeral because it was like not respectful enough and like, was too oh, much really? of like a rally. And he was like, hmm. I was going to appoint a Democrat. But now that I've seen this, I think I'm going to appoint an ordinary citizen or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, God, interesting. Jesse Ventura, Paul Wellstone <laughs> funeral. The partisan hmm. tone of the memorial service for the late Senator Paul Wellstone stirred anger like, among some Republicans. Oh, come on. Like, what the uh, fuck? Whatever. It's the guy's funeral. Uh, the crowd cheered loudly for former Vice President Walter Mondale. Ventura blasts the political rally. Um, He lashed at Ventura, who walked out of the service, said Democrats should hang their head in shame. The first part of it I thought was excellent. When Rick Kahn got up, I left the building halfway through what he was doing, said Ventura, who could appoint an interim senator to take Wellstone's seat until November 5th. I feel used. I feel violent and duped over the fact that I turned into nothing more than a political rally. Well, he was angry. All right, Jesse. Yeah, yeah calm, down. calm down. I guess he wasn't annoyed at enough uh, Well, you know, he's bad. the ultimate centrist. May- I guess maybe not. I don't know. Um, I feel like
3: today he would, like, do a whole episode on his little show about, like, how Wellstone was murdered by the people's Maybe, State. yeah. Um, um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, bummer also you know something just to throw in there um god talk about you know the old school net roots people being better than they are today um there's an article from democracy now of all places from 2010 that says uh, fbi documents and senator paul wellstone raised questions about his death eight years ago yeah the, the, there's some interesting stuff from amy goodman here um they say that minnesota public radio has obtained the fbi record of the late senator wellstone of minnesota the records show the FBI first tracked Wellstone in 1970 after he was arrested in an anti Vietnam War protest. The records might also raise new questions about the plane crash that killed Wellstone, his wife, his daughter, and three staffers. The NTSB determined the crash was caused by pilot error, but the FBI documents reveal for the first time that specific criminal leads were pursued by investigators. Huh, interesting. All right. So even the FBI was kind of looking into it, even though CNN said nothing to see here. Yeah, but he was, I mean, he was tracked like by the FBI starting in 1970 for being an anti-war guy. So, you know, they had a file on him for many, many years before he got into uh, politics. And then I guess he he also got death threats for voting against the Gulf War resolution right after Mm -hmm. he took office in 91. His state director, I assume that means a, maybe the FBI agrees to have the Senator's phone tapped at that point. And then uh, the files jumped to the fatal crash in 2002. And this reporter says, what's interesting is that the FBI did pursue some criminal leads into the first two days. For example, they received a call from someone in Jacksonville, Florida who claimed that mobsters involved with the trucking industry had disconnected the plane's de-icers. The office received a threatening postcard the day before Another person said he heard gunshots in the area right before the crash. So they investigated all these leads. And so it was interesting to me that they did take them seriously. And they ranged from someone saying that an Aryan group might have been involved. So yeah, then after two days, they passed it along to the NTSB. Hmm. Interesting. So there was a guy who said basically like mobbed up like teamsters, like tampered with his... I mean, the mafia does have a history of tampering with vehicles, don't they? Like cutting mm. the brake wires, stuff like that, right?
2: Yeah, hmm.
3: so yeah, I don't I don't know about that. Oh, the other thing that somebody pointed out, uh, Al Martin in uh, Will the Stupidity of the American People ever end in two thousand two? He wrote this right after the death. This is a very overlooked thing, aside from all the Iraq war stuff. He wrote that it should be remembered that Wellstone was also the chairman of the new Securities Reform Committee, and it was Wellstone who was attempting to block the nomination of the notorious William Webster, former CIA and FBI head, and the best friend of big business and the big accounting firms, to be the new chairman of the SEC Accounting Oversight Commission. If the Republicans wanted to take anybody out, this was the guy. So there's even... I mean, we forget about, like, like Enron and Tycho. Yeah. Remember all that bullshit? Mm-hmm. There's, like, Bush... As Mark Lombardi sketched out in his drawings, like, there are connections between, like, fucking Enron and the Bushes. Yeah, absolutely. And all that yeah. weird shit. And then you get into, like, the the weird securities trading, like, the put options before 9-11. And, like, remember all that the put-and-call options and all the yeah. airlines? And, mm-hmm. like, just weird, weird financial type shit. And also... You know, if we want to go full um, kind of Operation Hammer collateral damage, you know, remember that thing we talked about way back, uh, I think, in our first 9-11 episode and in the Lombardi episode about the like the moving of fraudulent U.S. Treasury notes like through the system because the SEC declared like an emergency clearance thing for like the first time in history. Mm -hmm. And so things were able to be pushed through the system without oversight in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, because all the servers were destroyed. And it actually, like, even if that wasn't exactly what was going on, I do, I'm very interested in the idea that 9-11 provided this kind of, like, clean slate thing where you literally destroyed a lot of, like, the paper records and the old computers of all these accounting firms in the World Trade Center, but also, like, all the investigative files in World Trade Center 7. Like mm-hmm. the FBI's, you know, SEC, uh, DEA, like I think maybe the Office of Naval Intelligence. I remember, there was a big investigation into like financial corruption uh, that one of like the military investigative arms was doing, and all of that shit was basically destroyed. And like those investigations were kind of rendered null after all those buildings collapsed. So mm-hmm. the fact that maybe, you know, then Wellstone is. When they're trying to, I think this eventually became like the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which was sort of supposed to like establish like rules of the road for corporations. so They couldn't do Enron stuff, but I don't know how well that actually worked. But, you know, that, that, that's also an angle. It's a little drier than all of the, you know, Iraq stuff. But you never know if he was blocking them. If he was going to keep William Webster from coming back. You know, and re- reorienting the financial system. Bottom line is, like, there's a lot of reasons that, like, Bush and company would want him dead, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I think
3: I'm going to err on the side of, yeah, uh, let's see. Was Paul Wellstone murdered? Yes, I think so. Uh, it seems, Wellstone, you know... Wellstone, they killed him.
2: Again, obviously, there's no conclusive answer, but, yeah, it's definitely a suspicious thing on its face. And when you look into it, it becomes... Even more suspicious, yeah. I'm just reading now through, like, some of the letters to the editor that were sent into the World Socialist uh, website um, <laughs> at the time about spinning their own sort of scenarios. Does the following scenario seem so far-fetched? Love well, Sun's pilot flies an FAA flight plan just prior to, prior to takeoff as required for all IFR flights, indicating exactly where and when he'll be flying and who will be aboard. This gives Black Ops specialists ample time to make a van or truck full of F- ILS. Uh, VHF Omnidirectional Radio Instrument Landing Service jamming equipment into position. As well as the plane approaches the airport, the VOR-ILS uh, jamming equipment is activated and a decoy VOR signal is sent to the plane, thus tricking the plane's instruments and the pilot into believing the airport is somewhere several degrees off the true course to the runway. The pilot follows the signal straight into the ground. The nondescript van, full of covert electronic jamming equipment, casually leaves the area, looking just like any other tv repair truck or moving van. The subsequent NTSB investigation centers on the airplane, the pilot and the VOR ILS system at the airport. Everything appears to be in order and the accident is attributed to pilot error. Cynical, yep. perhaps, but as George Bernard Shaw once observed, the power of accurate prediction is commonly referred to as cynicism by those who have not got it. I hope I am wrong. I don't think I am. And as with the fo- and with the foxes watching the hen houses as they are, we are left only to speculate. Sincerely, SH. There you You're go. A
3: pretty good analysis for some trots, you know yeah Back then um somebody notes there that uh salon by this point was already kind of erming its way out of entertaining any of these kind of theories yes they earned it
2: yeah and, and he yeah he was mad at them the in the Oo cities sort of list of or uh index of of articles about this uh the the author uh was frustrated that uh you know at salon for dismissing it but also Uh, He noted that they recently knuckled under to establishment media pressure and screwed over investigative reporter Jason Leopold, who had been writing Mm -hmm. hard-hitting material about Enron. Um, Was that
3: written by Andrew Sullivan? What? Um,
2: I don't know. Oh, who wrote the... uh this article? Yeah, I don't know. It's it doesn't down, say. Because so like, if you click on the, the link, it goes to like an Ariana Huffington article about oh, Paul Wellstone's death and not to like sus. apparently the article that existed, which is like idiocy of the week. Yeah, which I yeah. guess. Yeah, but he does have Andrew Sullivan as the author. So. Did Maybe. she? I wonder,
3: hmm, uh, did Ariana say anything about No, she didn't.
2: This is just like a fucking boilerplate didn't. type of, of article. Um,
3: yeah, well, you know, when your husband is uh, blackmailed by Mark Collins Rector, uh, you know, it's hard to speak up, I guess.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, Wilson's uh, death is left a gaping void <laughs> in the country that goes far beyond the question of how his absence will affect the balance of power in the Senate. There are only a few days left before the election. It's said the two-thirds of eligible voters are planning not planning to tramp at the polls. Uh, maybe in death, Wilson will be able to achieve what eluded him in life. He often quoted Franklin D. Roosevelt's admonition that the test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much, it is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, yeah, so this is just kind of I like mean, a, your standard yeah, obituary. But around. I guess Andrew Sullivan, like, you know, busted out the um erm the arm machine mm-hmm. and was like uh, he was arming. You know, my yeah, idiot yeah. of the week is anyone who <laughs> thinks it's suspicions 99 a few days before an election in a mysterious plane crash uh <laughs> a small aircraft
3: yeah yeah um, it simply doesn't happen here um yeah added so, to the
2: list um, yeah
3: yeah shamefully i mean it's nice to see that that a lot of people you know were very hip to this i mean i remember listening pat to immortal technique in the 2000s and he has that line about like the same people who sabotage Senator Wellstone. <laughs> I was like, thinking I, about
2: that too. Yeah. yeah. I was and like, I'm like a thanks to Mortal Technique, to a mortal technique a, I never
3: forgot about it.
2: Yeah. Know? I have a lot about that. Yeah.
3: Because I just assume he doesn't really go into detail, but it's like, I just assume that, yeah, no, he kind of makes a good point. You know, and, you know, back then, I guess you could read uh, Democracy Now or Alternate or something, and people would actually. You know, talk about this instead of just being like, erm what are you like a right wing conspiracy theorist? Like, what you think JFK Jr. is going to come back with Trump? You know, I don't know people. People got in a hustle these days. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but yep. Yeah, probably murdered. Yeah. Cool.
4: Immortal Technique. Revolutionary Volume Two. Yeah, broadcasting live from Harlem, New York. Let the truth be known. You better watch what the fuck flies out of your mouth, or I'ma hijack. And fly it into your house, burn your apartment with your family, tied to the couch and slit your throat. So when you scream, only blood comes out. I doubt that there could ever be a more wicked MC, cause AIDS infested child molesters are even sicker than me. I see the world for what it is, beyond the white and the black. The way the government downplays historical facts, cause the United States sponsored the rise of the Third Reich, just like the CIA trained terrorists how to fight, build bombs and sneak box cutters onto a flight. When I was a child, the devil himself Bought me a mic, but I refused to Offer, cause God sent me to strike With skills unused, like fallopian Tubes on a dike. my words Will expose George Bush and Bin Laden As two separate parts of the same Seven-headed dragon, and you Can't fathom the truth, so you don't Hear me, you think Illuminati's just A fucking conspiracy theory? That's why conservative racists are all Running shit, and your phone is Tapped by the federal government So I'm jamming frequencies, in your Brain when you speak to me, technique a ripper, rapper to pieces indecently, pack weapons illegally, cause I'm never hesitant. Sniper scoping a commission, controlling the president. for they don't know right from wrong the truth to set you free written down in a song and the song has the cause of death written in code the word of god brought to light that that is save your soul save your soul motherfucker save your soul yeah 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 I hacked the Pentagon for self-incriminating evidence Of Republican manufactured white powder pestilence Marine Corps flak vest with the guns and ammo Spitting bars like a demon stuck inside a piano Turn a Sambo into a soldier with just one line So hear the truth about the system that'll fuck up your mind They gave Al-Qaeda $6 billion in 1989 to 1992 And now the last chapters of Revelations are coming true And I know a lot of people find it hard to swallow this subliminal bigotry makes you hate my politics but you act like America wouldn't destroy two buildings in a country that was sponsoring bombs dropped on our children I was watching the towers and though I wasn't the closest I saw them crumble to the earth like they were full of explosives and they thought nobody noticed the news report that they did about the bombs planted on the George Washington Bridge four non-Arabs arrested during the emergency and then it disappeared from the news permanently they dubbed the tape of Osama and they said it was proof jealous of our freedom i can't believe you bought that excuse rocking a motherfucking flag don't make you a hero word the ground zero the devil crept into heaven god overslept on the seventh the new world order was born on september 11th Forgive them for they don't know right from wrong. The truth to set you free, written down in a song. And the song has the cause of death written in code. The word of God brought to light that it saved your soul. Save your soul, motherfucker. Save your soul. And just so conservatives don't take it to heart. I don't think Bush did it, because he isn't that smart. He's just a stupid puppet taking orders on his cell phone from the same people that sabotaged Senator <laughs> the Wellstone. The military industry got it popping and locking, looking for a way to justify the wolf of its doctrine. And as a matter of fact, Rumsfeld, now that I think back, without 9-11, you couldn't have a war in Iraq or a defense budget of world conquest proportions, kill freedom of speech and revolt. The right to abortion, tax cut extortion, a blessing to the wealthy and wicked. But you still have to answer to the Armageddon you scripted, and Dick Cheney, you fucking leech. Tell them your plans about building your pipelines through Afghanistan and how Israeli troops train the Taliban in Pakistan. You might have some house niggas fooled, but I understand colonialism is sponsored by corporations. That's why Halliburton gets paid to rebuild nations. Tell me the truth. I don't scare into paralysis. I know this cia saw bin laden on dialysis in 98 when he was top 10 for the fbi government ties is really why the government lies read it yourself instead of asking the government why because then the cause of death the cause the propaganda to die Father. Forgive
3: uh, do you want to move on to a? Uh Yes. Two. Okay.
2: Let's see. Number two, Easy asks on November 25th, 2021. Does the alleged Stasi practice of Zersetzung lend credence to the gang stalking phenomenon? Uh, I guess uh, Zersetzung, uh, like disintegration, decomposition. It's the rough um,
3: translation, yeah. It's one um, of those German words that has no direct parallel. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs>
2: of gang because gang stalking as described is designed to emulate paranoid psychosis, it's necessarily indistinguishable from paranoid psychosis, so surely some supposed victims are just ill people who need help. Perhaps that side effect, the blurring of the line between paranoid psychosis and reasonable suspicion, is itself an intentional program. Hmm.
3: Sure. Yeah, what are so, you So yeah, mean? I mean, th- this is an interesting question because it's half about like The, at least as far as I know, like a very like American phenomenon of sort of like being a targeted individual, yeah, exactly, gang stalking, yeah, like, and uh, the 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 verified historical you know practice of Zersetsung uh, by the Stasi,
2: and I think you know we should say like uh, that like Zersetzung, even though I'm sure that like this you know definitely was like a bad thing in many implementations of it. I don't think that this is something that truly originated with, like, the Stasi. I feel like this is basically, like, yeah, I think I that more or less what it was, was, like, the same thing the FBI, like, tried to do to Martin Luther King and, like, various, like, individuals, like, on the left, like, during the same period of history and, like, continues to do, like, now. Certainly did after 9-11, like, in the Muslim community. like oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this type of like you know domestic intelligence gang stalking yeah certainly wasn't confined to, to east germany um or you know, something not. that definitely like originates there in, in any way i feel like you know yes. Yeah, so. i felt
3: I, I i perhaps not too surprisingly i felt a strong urge to kind of like uh quibble a little bit with like the framing of this question though i don't think the questioner really like intended it uh this way but mm-hmm. yeah, there's something about invoking the Stasi when you're talking about like Western, you know, police or intelligence agencies doing something that's like, quote unquote, authoritarian that I'm sort of not the biggest fan of. Or I feel like lacks a kind of like context and specificity kind of, you know, and it's like, what is this like East Germany? I don't know. Or Because for one, it erases, like you said, the history of COINTELPRO, which is going on during the Cold War at like the same time. And used a lot of the same tactics, you know, and and yes. so like this dichotomy of like, well, we have a a rules based like legal state, and they have like a dictatorship. Yeah, you know, exactly. Where there's no I feel laws like, except power. And
2: yeah, the idea like that this was like something that was like you like unique, like that this was somehow like much more like gang stalking, like as you might encounter it like in you on YouTube, where like it's just like some random guy, like you know, it's like this. Or some guy who's like that cat is like a, a droid or something, you know, like some kind of like somehow like more intensely like psychologically destructive or more evil or something than like the equivalent. Like basically what this was was like undermining dissidents, yeah. you know, or is anyone who, you know, might be considered to be like a political problem, like by interfering like in their social lives, like creating confusion, creating like conflict between them like the exact type of thing yeah
3: in many cases yeah this is a that was it was a psyop program so i mean i had to look back i had to start kind of from the beginning and even be like first of all i want to see like the actual i want to see the documents you know of Mm -hmm. like this is really a real thing because it's like i could never fully trust like when like westerners are popping off about this evil thing blah 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 and you know, it is real. There was a guide, a Zersetzung guide in 1976 written by Eric Milka, who was like the longtime head of the Stasi. Mm -hmm. Um, I I couldn't find an English translation of it, but you can find a version of it in German that, you know, is there. And we also have like, after the fall of the GDR, the Stasi files, like not all of them, some were destroyed, but a ton of the files were preserved and now like they've sort of opened them up in like a museum that you can access. So, you know, people could go and... So we actually have a remarkable level of transparency on, like, the actual activities of the Stasi relative to other intelligence agencies that still exist because, mm-hmm. that by definition, they're secret. And, yeah, I mean, there's just... There are some nuances there, I think, in terms of making the comparison. I actually found a pretty good paper. I didn't get to read all of it, but I read a lot of the, the first part, which was, I think, even sponsored... Sponsored by the German Historical Institute and, I think, like, the Woodrow Wilson Center in uh, 2014 called the stasi at home and abroad domestic order and foreign intelligence and it kind of this is a more like academic kind of uh like a 200 page breakdown of Mm -hmm. various aspects of the stasi and uh in the beginning it, it does kind of list a kind of an intent to sort of complexify and like uh tease out the nuances of you know this beyond just being like you know they're taking a more of a meta historical critique of like how various you know historians and political mm-hmm. figures and journalists have you know talked about the stasi and how they invoke it it brings up like the snowden like the german nsa spying scandal in 2013 and how yeah. like everybody was sort of pointing at like this is like the stasi this is like the stasi and how at the same time like there's substantive differences between like they, they think it's too reductive to say that oh like these were just exactly the same And there's kind of no difference between the structure of the Stasi and like the FBI, for example. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, there's often like a a severe underplaying of uh, Western agencies. And in fact, it brings up the BND, the West German BMD, a lot as like, an extremely opaque and sus organization that it doesn't even get into the Nazi origins of it, but, you know, that they were opening mail from East Germany and spying on thousands of people and doing all kinds of things, like, but just in a little more of, like, a sublimated, like, not out front uh, way. And the other thing, I mean, they talk about, like, like you said, like this was really targeting uh, dissidents and people that were, you know, actively doing things to kind of challenge like the socialist status quo in East Germany. And they lay out a few different ways that like people have tried to approach it. And some of them are more nuanced. And I can kind of prefer to look at it this way. like for one they they talk about how often, like, the Stasi is... Like, East Germany is described as, like, the Stasi state, where, like, the Stasi is in control of, like, they're the big brother, they know everything and all that stuff, and how that's, like, not really accurate because the Stasi was so integrated with, like, the, the Communist Party in Germany, the ruling Communist Party, that really it was, like, the country was run by an SED dictatorship, not a Stasi dictatorship, if that makes any kind of sense. And the Stasi were, like... Eight and yeah, in, a right. very integrated component of that and,
2: but yeah I if mean, you're seeing d- everything through the eyes of people who like were being stalked basically who were targeted individuals by the Stasi then like your view of the overall like role of the Stasi in society might be like distorted somewhat like exactly uh, the, exactly
3: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah and I'm and, not and,
2: saying that like it was like everything that they did to all those people were good or that like they deserved it or like you know they had to be like you know whatever uh, because they like saying something like that at all but i think that yeah like that kind of mythologization of the stasi you know is kind of like this symbol of ultimate like you know like this ss like symbol of like ultimate evil as opposed to for instance like the fbi like and the representation of this type these operations these like psyops and and these uh yeah these operations to like undermine dissenting people were like super distinct or like just like a different order of magnitude from like what was happening in West Germany or in the United States. Um, Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
3: Like it's seen as just like every aspect of it is like way more pervasive, way more sinister, violent, controlling, like crushing you at every turn. There's one little like paragraph here that I think captures like the nuance in this academic paper. They say that oral history interviews reveal the shame and fear people felt upon being silenced in the GDR and after unification. But they also conveyed pride and defiance. The Stasi was present in everyday life and was perceived as a big brother, but also as a predictable element of the SED regime. It was perceived variously as an unavoidable evil, as a necessary institution in global class struggles, as life-threatening or it was simply ignored. The sum of such analyses and interviews was a view of the GDR past with much grayer tones, where it was clear that contradictions had to be negotiated day by day. The GDR was socially relatively homogeneous, yet had quite distinct social milieus. It satisfied basic needs, yet reinforced individual self-interest. It was oriented toward the West, but sealed itself off. Moreover, it oscillated between formality and informality. It was progress oriented, yet criticized the results of progress. It was based on traditions but destroyed them, and it was repressive and integrative at the same time. Consequently, there was no single Stasi experience, but multiple Stasi experiences, and any attempt to establish a dominant historical narrative will fail. So I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind. I mean, this is not like, really like a pro-Marxist paper by any means, but they're at least kind of no. trying to like introduce some nuance I think to it, and uh, you know they I mean they they fact check a few things like you hear crazy numbers thrown around it's like one in eight people in East Germany was a Stasi informant or something like that, and this paper questions that pretty heavily and says that like a lot of people were double counted and you know and also for some people, it was a kind of casual thing that like wasn't necessarily the big deal that maybe we imagine it to be just like in the West. A lot of people, especially, you know, these like shady underworld randos, might be like FBI informants from time to time or police informants. And like, you know what I mean? Like it's like I think we recognize the nuance more easily in the United States of like, oh, okay, that would make sense. Or, you know, even back in the fifties, where you're like, you know, the FBI comes to ask somebody about some coworker who might be a dangerous communist or something, and like you're like patriot pilled, and you're just like, Okay, I want to help. And like there were people in East Germany like that that were like, Yeah, I don't want no fucking capitalist like you know agitators yeah. like running around like this yeah is, go get them uh, stasi you know yeah. so there's that that sentiment as well you know it, the, there are things coexisting
1: this
2: is um, an interesting quote from later on in that in that same uh, like collection that you mentioned there's an essay by uh uh conrad uh, Jarosch between myth and reality the stasi legacy uh in German history he says you know uh, seeing the world only through the eyes of Stasi perpetrators or victims runs the risk of retrospective exaggeration and ignores the relative normalcy of life around them in academic terms, the Stasi fixation has supported the uh, Unrechtsstaat interpretation, wherein the GDR is regarded as a gigantic prison. Such a neo-totalitarian view correctly emphasizes the structural similarities between the SED regime and the Nazi system, but the simplistic equation red equals brown tends to ignore their basic ideological antagonism and the enormous difference in the number of respective victims. More discerning German scholars, e.g. Martin Sabrau, and most Anglo-American historians, e.g. Mary Fulbrook, instead stressed the importance of so-called soft stabilizers of communist rule, such as utopian appeals and, or material incentives in producing that quote-unquote reluctant loyalty, which kept the GDR afloat for four decades. The latter approach also comes closer to the memory of the majority of East Germans who sought to lead a normal life within an abnormal system, and though always aware of the threat of sanction, tried to ignore it as much as possible. The problem of one-sided fixation on repression is its scapegoating of the Stasi as a source of all evil in the GDR. Oppression in everyday life must rather be seen as intended halves of the same coin, sorry, as interrelated halves of the same coin. Yeah, and then he talks a little bit about, like, the former Stasi operatives seeing themselves as being, like, victims of an ideological purge and things like that. Um, but you know, and they it's a good, they yeah.
3: were I mean basically and uh, I mean they also point out that well on the one hand I mean there's there's ways to look at you know uh, Zersetzung which was introduced in the mid seventies. As, like, oh my God, like they're even more evil than like the old, you know, Czechists or the KGB or something like that. Instead of using kind of brute intimidation and violence, they're like using these sophisticated mind games to like destroy people's brains. Like, once again, kind of projecting a sort of MKUltra thing like onto the Eastern Bloc. But Mm -hmm. there's another way to look at it where. You know, the Stasi was more kind of hands on and violent in like the 1950s and 1960s. And the development of strategies like Zersetzung were actually seen as being kind of like a kinder, gentler, more subtle sort of way to manage the threats in society than just like taking somebody to like an underground prison and like beating the shit out of them or something like that you know what i mean so actually like it in a certain sense even though of course it's like relies on psyops and deception and things of that nature to you know to some degree it also marked a period where they were like becoming less physically violent with people and i think the the intro Mm -hmm. also notes that you know, it was actually quite common for both the Stasi and kind of SEP officials and stuff uh, to engage in, you know, not, I guess not fully like a mass line, but like in, you know, really like solicit feedback and try to ameliorate the concerns and the needs of various different, you know, social groups and types of workers and stuff. And even when people were mad about something, um and in fact the stasi was often used for that purpose to figure out like what's going on out there on the streets like how are people feeling about this or that so you could like uh, solve problems and stuff so it wasn't all just like where the evil infiltrators like we must crush them like of course there was that but there was also just a lot of like especially in the later years like data collection to kind of you know basically uh keep abreast of what was going on and then if you had, usually they would always try a kind of peaceful approach to, like, negotiate any kind of problem that was going on, and then if the peaceful approach was rejected or people continued to to agitate and be anti-government, then, you know, tougher measures might be employed, like kind of more as a last resort, like they would resort to it, but it wasn't, you know, it's just, it was a little more gray and complex than I think is often... Uh, There's often, like, credit given for, uh, or you know, and it's obviously very ideologically convenient to sort of paint them as, like, this sort of singularly evil, also just as bad as the Nazis, right? Like, they Mm. love saying that.
2: Yeah, Um, and I'm sure it is true, as they said, that, like, there... Because, I mean, this was Germany. Like, there must have been some, like... Uh, like institutional or like systemic continuity between what had existed immediately before, especially early on. But again, there's also like the extreme ideological antagonism that makes that like more complex. And that as like, you know, that institutional continuity and like, I think much more ideological continuity was also the case in, in West Germany. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, so Yeah, yeah. So like, they
4: they had they had
3: stuff to root out, basically politically, of like, you know, this country was Nazi Germany before World War Two. And of course, like probably a lot of the more hardcore Nazis like fled to the West or died or whatever. But you know, it, it's like the whole you know, there were too many Nazis to pretty much you know, feel like, Oh, we got rid of them all or something like that. And you couldn't throw them all in jail. Like, I mean, there are people that had worked as like Nazi policemen who ended up working in the Stasi. Like that was just inevitable. Um, But, you know, this article also points out, because it's easy to forget, that the GDR was a borderland in the Cold War and had a Western neighbor with whom it shared a language and cultural traditions. The fearful Eastern elites saw themselves as constantly under threat, and they invested even more money into national security than their Eastern allies. In addition, the GDR and its surveillance activities were transformed by technological progress, just as other nations were. So it can be analyzed as an example of how modern societies have dealt with the challenges and opportunities big data presented. So, yeah, it's also a thing like it is a border country with a bunch of nukes on both sides and and a country that is like wealthier than you, full of Nazis and speaks your language and can like very easily infiltrate your society. You know, so it's understandable that like the Stasi, even though in a lot of ways, like I feel like East Germany was much more kind of socially liberal in a lot of ways than a lot of its Warsaw Pact neighbors right Mm -hmm. i mean certainly more liberalized than like romania maybe kind of on a similar level as like czechoslovakia or poland but generally like not totally sealed off culturally from the west right
4: Mm -hmm.
3: um but at the same time like they're the border country they're the front line of this whole thing and so um so you could see why they would heavily invest in like surveillance basically like there's a lot of, it's a high priority thing. And uh, and, and yeah, I think, I don't know. Um, but in terms of, you know, I don't know, similarities to the gang stalking phenomenon, you already brought up COINTELPRO, which I think is an apt example. But like today, it, it's difficult because like we still don't know exactly like what's going on with this gang stalking
2: thing, right? Well, we talked about it before. I think, yeah, we talked about it a little bit before. I mean, I think that like, again, this kind of is interesting to think about it in terms of the Stasi in some ways because, and we can think about it in terms of other uh, intelligence agencies like the FBI or the, or the CIA too, which is that, and I think we've mentioned this many times, like, part of the PSYOP is the knowledge that these type of th- operations are being deployed, right? And, like, they do it on, like, a certain scale, you know, that is not necessarily, like, that is ambiguous, right? But as long as it's known that this is a possibility, that in of itself creates like a sigh of creates confusion. Like, you know, you can become like, for instance, if you're like a a dissident or whatever, you know, you become self-policing like this idea of the stasi or it, for example you know and this can obviously you can extrapolate this other context but the idea of the stasi as being like this all-powerful force that ended up being perpetuated by like a lot of this historiography is a powerful like psyop weapon <laughs> like the idea that like they are everywhere like they're like you know following you all the time you know like they yeah. will like manipulate the smallest little events in your life like the, I, like that's to sigh incredibly up
3: thinking that's what's happening, you know? Yeah.
2: That's an incredibly powerful, like repute, like that, the, having that aura about your organization is like incredibly powerful psychological weapon. Like, you know, so that's like a level of it as well. And also there, the other level of it is the opposite or the inverse in some way, which is that if it is happening to you, then there is the ambiguity about whether you are simply imagining it, which I think is that, you know, what is being gotten at by easy in the in the question in a way. Right. Or if, you know, you say to someone else, like, I think I'm being followed by while, like people are going to be this, you know, people might be dismissive or you might, you know, be in doubt about yourself. So that like balance is essential to like the effectiveness of that type of of PSYOP, right? Whether it's in that context that was brought up or, like, other contexts, right? Uh, that's part and parcel of it, as it's explained by the people who implement it in the United States in various contexts, right? Like, they yeah, want to yeah. cause confusion, distrust, you know? And that's why part of these operations is, like, snitch-jacketing and fed-jacketing people, um, uh-huh. you know, no, right? for sure, so, for
3: sure. I mean, um, uh, yeah. kind of on that point, like, the intro to this paper notes that basically, like, the fact that psychological expertise and deceptive measures, like, you know, Zersetzung, decomposition, a hidden psychological destruction of the subject, came to be applied as well as the sheer number of operative procedures, uh, backed the thesis of a second Stasi phase beginning in the mid 70s. It's so like you said, moving from a kind of more heavy handed thing to like, you know, fucking with people. Other scholars, however, disagree. They refer to the agency's limited resources for applying decomposition on a larger scale. Only 1,000 to 10,000 people were directly affected, and conclude that such measures, although directed against proclaimed enemies, were merely used symbolically to keep up the Czechist ideal of the Stasi. And this is an interesting point, actually. Such soft power was comparatively inefficient. It did not break most of the proclaimed enemies of the state, but rather confirmed in some way that the Stasi was no longer using physical violence. Without it, its sword became blunt. And basically, I think later it goes on to say that like, far from actually achieving the goal of, like, oh my god, they're all powerful, a lot of the dissidents looked at it as, like, oh, they've gone soft— and then the Stasi itself would be disintegrated in, like, the biggest operation of Zersetzung ever, where, you know, the sort of, like, pro-Western opposition, like, basically, you know, bullied them into, like, just voluntarily disbanding the country, right? I mean, mm. that, that, that's the other thing of, like, if they're the most evil intelligence organization in the world, that, oh, they're as bad as the Nazis and shit, like, they kind of just rolled over and, like, we're like, okay, we lose, you know, at the end of it, like they didn't really mount like a serious, you know, clamp down or whatever. And in a way, you could almost look at like the pro democracy wave across the Eastern Bloc as a kind of mass Zersetzung or mm-hmm. mind war or psyop or whatever you want to call it to disintegrate like the I don't know the the sense of authority that these institutions had, and that that worked. I mean that resulted in the dismantling of those you know parties and institutions and everything else and in terms of the american contest like you know is there a parallel to that in some way well i don't know i'm not so convinced that i mean i think that the use of psychological tactics with like the rise of the internet has probably increased exponentially with like western police and intelligence agencies right like, oh. like the opportunities yes. for Zersetsung have exploded, even even putting aside like the TI, like targeted individual shit. Right.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the thing here where it's like the TI community has like specific tropes that like come with it. It's like a very specific thing, whereas a real parallel to as you said, clone tell would be or like the incredibly extensive surveillance of like Muslim Americans after 9-11 would also mm-hmm. be like a, a good parallel. Um, in terms of like the, yeah, like the, and just like targeting people simply for their religion and like trying to destroy their lives. Like there's that article that I think I mentioned on the show before that it was actually in the New York times. And this is for, by, for that reason, probably just the tip of the iceberg. Cause it's like, you know, the testimony of like one whistleblower from the FBI about like what happened after 9-11, um, and his work for the FBI after 9-11. Um and yeah, it just it's called I help destroy people. <laughs> um and it's you know describes like a lot of that type of thing, basically how it would just like spiral off uh from like one person they would like decide they were interested in for some like, you know, random reason. And then like from there, they would just like monitor everyone who we talked to, you know, like and they would manipulate aspects of, of their lives, like and you know, there's also many other examples of this type of thing. Um everyone mm-hmm. kind of knew it was true, but You know, it wasn't really known or recognized, like, uh, or acknowledged until significantly later. And, you know, this has parallels in other contexts as well. But it's, yeah. So that is something that, like, you know, is, I think, different from, again, that is still being, like, if you're being surveilled by the FBI, you know, because of your uh, political activities or because of your religion or for whatever reason, you are, like, a targeted individual, uh, unambiguously... And there is like, you know, there might not be a significant reason for it, but I feel like the narrative around gang stalking is a little bit like, you know, I don't know necessarily why people I think probably runs the gamut. There's probably like, you know, a bunch of different narratives for it. But from the knowledge of it that I have, I don't know if like there is like a political dimension to it like, maybe for some, but generally I feel like they just believe that, like, and it's possible that this does have, like, where there's, like, sort of test cases of people and certainly people who are, like, suspected of something or, like, who have really done nothing wrong, for instance, like, you know, who simply are belong to a certain religion and such and such, but... Yeah, I feel like in a lot of cases, like, you know, or maybe it's like a test because there are things like that where people just, like, are being randomly dosed with LSD by the CIA as far as MKUltra, you know? So there might be, like, you know, random people who, like, yeah. let's try this out on them. But I feel like that's kind of what is going on, like, according to the standard narrative of of gang stalking, that, like, you know, you've just been chosen for some reason to, I don't know, be targeted by these things. And the elements that's of it... That's my impression. Yeah, like, like there's,
3: ne- there's not a clear reason why... Like for for the kind of targeted individual crowd that I've seen, typically there's not an express reason. Like I was doing this type of activism or dissident work or something like that. It's just like one day I start getting. Sometimes there's like a personal narrative. Like I pissed somebody off, and they think they're connected to something nefarious. And then like like maybe they didn't kind of unwittingly cross some line with somebody that then got these like you know uh, gang stalkers like sicked on them. But you're right like there's not usually a specific political valence of I don't know climate change activists being uh, I mean they do get infiltrated but that's a little different than like I think gang stalking gang stalking seems specifically to fuck with your head right.
2: Kind of yeah like and I mean it can take different forms like a lot of the time like they're I don't know they're like shooting like a, it's kind of like a Havana syndrome thing where they're like shooting some kind of, um, buzzing sound into your head or something. Yeah, that's like, a big thing.
3: The electromagnetic, uh, yeah, like yeah. high frequency weapons and stuff that, you know, Michael Aquino did kind of mention in mind war back in 1980. And I'm sure there are, I know they have like crowd control technologies and shit like that. That'll beam just like a, some kind of, Oh yeah. They definitely have like noise unbearable.
2: weapons. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. They've that's the, there's no question about it. They've used those before. Um,
3: directional microphones like where only if you walk specifically within the plane of like where they're pointing it at like you can hear voices but nobody around you can hear them Mm -hmm. and kind of thing like things designed to kind of gaslight you and to make you think you might be going crazy or at least that if you kind of tell what's happening to you other people are going to think you're crazy and that's a very even just the notion of that is very scary like what if that starts happening to you and like and you can't exactly prove it and everyone's like
2: Oh, uh, okay. Well, have you t-
3: have you taken some pills? Maybe yeah, <laughs> right. That? Exactly. You yeah, know, like sure. that would. That
2: yeah, would it's super very scary. like one floor the cuckoo's nest like type of you know n- nightmare. Yeah, it, Ken yeah. Casey's so, limited hangout out there. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but at the
3: same time, I mean, I, I think there's it's classic, different from like,
2: yeah. There's that level of things which is a bit more uh, ambiguous, but still possible. And then I feel like the parallel to the Stasi is just more, something more like like COINTELPRO, much closer to that than like this level of like sheer, I don't know, like sadism of like sending like hypnotic voices into your mind and like mm-hmm. having people just like follow you on the street being like, hey, buddy, like fuck you or whatever, or like trip you or like they'd be like, hey, 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 like what? I didn't do anything <laughs> like, you know, like push you around yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And I don't
3: know, you kind of brought up like the the more subtle forms of like maybe this kind of thing being applied on like social media and just like seeping into the the groundwater of like discourse and how people interact and i guess i do think about that sometimes like you know because it's like it's a tough balance to strike right of being like vigilant and like critical paranoid and not falling for like obvious fucking like grifters and psyops and shit but also like not being uh i guess so vigilant and paranoid that you like never take any political action or speak up or do anything because you're just like oh my god they're watching us you know or like anything that yeah
2: like am uh, i just achieves doing
3: exactly kind of what they want. An yeah mm-hmm. and, and yeah. That, to a certain extent that is probably what they would want like that that is convenient uh absolutely for, you know, yeah the forces mm-hmm. maintaining the status quo um yes but at the same time you do have this but then like the solution to that is like just trust people who say they're good guys like that's not a really a workable solution so yeah you do have to be kind of vigilant because they do be psyoping in you know in that way of like rolling out just yeah. the, or, or you know co-opting various uh well yeah, i feel like it's saying like
2: everything uh, is an op you know like that cat is an op that tree is an op you know like that is like a parody of what I feel like that's something that people say that like we have suggested. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like that's a parody of what we believe. We don't think everything is an op like, and sometimes, yeah, we've thrown around the, but sometimes we don't actually, you know, I think that people can, if they're listening in good faith, they can understand when, you know, it's, we're sort of suggesting op-like or fed-like behavior versus mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a hardcore accusation. That this person is actually like an asset of some intelligence organization, you know, exactly. like exactly in some cases that is, you know, so sometimes we can be a little bit uh, loose with uh, the designation of op. But I think that if you're listening in good faith, you can understand when we're describing op-like or fed-like behavior and when you know and in those cases i think when we are saying that someone actually or some someone or something actually is an op uh, it's usually for some kind of reason and not just like because they not exist. Just yeah. I think vibes can play a role. Vibes can play a role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> However, no, no, vibe, I mean, vibes, vibes aren't enough to be completely to written off either.
3: Joking comment about somebody being sus. Uh, I think certainly like you can go off vibes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's often hard to prove that uh, you know, literally prove that somebody is like some kind of, you know, federal asset or something like that. But uh, sometimes people's like move Movements or activities are, like, so weird that it's, like, safe to assume that there's something going on there and, like, you, like, probably shouldn't trust that individual. And that, that usually becomes pretty self-evident, I think, after, like, a little while. If you watch somebody's moves and they're just, like, constantly doing weird things shit so uh and there's a balance you know
2: and there's certainly a lot of history of like you know infiltration of like you know left wings or otherwise decision organizations well you know this is something that does happen like there are like a lot of ops that are being like run all the time like it's constantly happening like in any given period any given like movement any given like flap or or growth of like sort of uh energy in any like you know political context there's, like, tons of, like, infiltrators, like, tons of ops, like, being run, like, at any given time. But, of course, like, you know, it doesn't mean that everything is an op just uh, because we, we it has conscious... some kind of political position. It's just, yeah. like, I think th- it has to do with, like, uh, maintaining a certain, yeah, vigilance, skepticism, scrupulousness, uh warah perhaps, but... Sure.
3: We've also talked about the conscious versus unconscious op, because I think with, like, social media today, it's easier than ever, exponentially easier than it used to be to, like, become, like, volunteer
4: to become an op yourself,
3: like, without ever directly interacting with any kind of, like, you know, federal agent or even, like, private, you know, any kind of force like that, but just like, get to get psyoped by kind of the various dominant Yes, that's true. Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
2: That's a different way of being an op, for sure. But there's many people who, like, I think fit that description. But that doesn't mean that, like, one should, like, live in a state of, like, constant, like, anxiety or despair that, like, like, you know, there's no one or nothing that can be... Well... I think when it gets what what is unique about like target individuals, I think that like maybe having, I think the level of distrust that one should have, I feel like part of the reason why this is like difficult to uh, parse in some ways is because the level of distrust one should have about like people who put themselves forward as being like political leaders or political like lodestars or role models or heroes or something in that way who you don't really know, like they, you should be much more like suspicious of them. Like, you know, who are putting themselves out there Then like you should be of like, you know, the kinds of people or individuals who like gangs, like people who are target individuals sometimes can be suspicious of like someone who's like in line with you at the store. I don't think That's that what it's always, healthy like, to, it for me a little bit. Yeah. I don't but, think but, it's healthy to be like that guy's an op, you know, like yeah, yeah. a priori. I think that know, you, I, the <sighs> the standard for considering like someone on the street with you to be like an op or an agent should be like pretty high. I think Yeah. you know, yeah, like I'm not yeah. saying that it can't happen depending on who you are, but like or what you're doing. But I think that that bar should be pretty high. But like, you know, if you're talking about someone who's like has a prominent, role in like left-wing media even if you said even whether it's conscious or unconscious the skepticism of what they say or the vigilance about like how uh influenced what they say might be or like their adjacency to certain things or just how compatible it is with certain interests that is you know much more justifiable i think when you're talking about like you know public figures of significant influence or leaders in organizations or things like that it's mm-hmm. you know that's Uh, reasonable to consider like yes you have to balance it you know it's a delicate dance to do but I think by the same token that like they can implement this thing where they try to sow confusion by having you know some people be influenced or subverted or compromised and then like you know sort of throwing that suggestion out there falsely at others or having people do the work for them of like suspecting everybody there's still a way to navigate that. You don't again, have to yourself
3: up to the madness. Like, yeah, yeah,
2: I wouldn't put ourselves forward as, like, the ultimate role models for everybody in, like, every context that they're in in terms of, you know, I'm not saying, like, you need to, again, this is where I think that vibes shouldn't be entirely written off because they shouldn't rely entirely on vibes at all, of course. However, mm. like, people's own instincts and, like, their gut is more reliable than any kind of, like, principle of, like, op detection, or like of Mm -hmm. sus detection that like you one could offer in a vacuum, like not knowing the situation that someone is trying to navigate. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I don't know. You have to
3: incorporate some vibes based analysis a little bit. Cause like, I think even I've seen it as a retort before to like uh, saying somebody might be a little sus that like, you know, Oh, you know who says, you know, who goes around saying people are sus feds. And it's like, yes that's true that is absolutely true that like fed jacketing can itself be the uh the work of a wrecker or an infiltrator or something like that but like okay then we're supposed to write off you can't criticize anybody because like feds do that so like if you criticize exactly you should go along with them and trust
2: them completely yeah exactly (laughs) but that often i think is being said in bad faith because people have like a certain commitment to like whoever is being criticized and they don't want to like consider the possibility that that person is not like entirely trustworthy or like friendly so you know i i and i get it like it's fine but i feel like that is not the right response like you can disagree however like to say like oh you know this is obviously something that happens. Like you know, what Feds also do in addition to Fed jacketing is that they also compromise and like send infiltrators into organizations to subvert them, or into movements, or you sometimes know, just into groups. Them. Yeah, often to lead them. The
3: leaders, so, like that Maoist group in the '70s that was just like literally a bunch of FBI agents. Or like, that recent thing with the
2: like the YPG vet who was like leading like which some one? Like, Antifa, which one, like it. BLM <laughs> organization. Um, yeah. Wait, which one was that? um the, what wh- do they who do? was he? i forget like uh, i'm looking at there's um, so many
3: sus ones that have gone on to just do the weirdest shit ever
2: now i'm probably f- finding it and i'm finding like literally like warhammer figurines if i search up like ypg like veteran <laughs> infiltrator oh yeah it is this guy uh he the one who drove a hearse uh mickey Windiker. yeah he drove like a hearse
3: isn't he like Windiker the third or something like that like he I has know. like a Posh-ass name. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, um, yeah, yeah. He was in Denver. I he say. was
2: yeah. Denver uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and yeah, his name was Mickey Windiker. um He pushed an activist to buy a gun for him, resulting in the activist guilty plea on weapons charges. Other Denver area activists accused Windiker of inflaming otherwise peaceful demonstrations, encouraging people to break windows and leading marches directly into police traps. Wendiger's informant status was first reported uh, this week on the podcast Alphabet Boys, which explores Wendiger's case and FBI involvement in the Colorado protests.
3: So he was an FBI informant.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and but he was a heckin'
3: Maoist?
2: Yeah, he was a heckin' Maoist. I don't get it, but yeah. he said
3: he was a heckin' Maoist. He said like, he was a
2: heckin' Maoist, and in fact, he did but, something very courageous. was fighting which, for socialism. Yeah, he did something very courageous, which I think was he fought with the, with the Peshmerga. Um, so oh, that's, that's right. He was very- a Peshmerga guy. Oh, so yeah, like yeah. my
3: dude, uh, stop conflating the two. different I'm those are sorry. Kurds. I'm sorry. You're so right. You're Kurds. right. Um, but there's a lot of YPG veterans, uh, Slava Ukrainian right now, I think in Ukraine fighting Putin.
2: Yeah, he joined. Well, he joined the Peshmerga to fight ISIS. So. I guess he wasn't quite the same level of... His his heck and malice awakening came later, but, you know. So, oh, I see, I see, yeah. But yeah, he still, he had the same heroic impulse of wanting to fight ISIS because they're pretty bad guys, you know, as some yeah, others. Yeah, they're pretty bad guys. So, that is something that they do. So, like, that's something to be, like, aware of. Like, maybe don't listen to this guy who's like, listen to me, I have experience, like, you know, fighting on the ground with the Beshmerga. I can help you <laughs> like, organize. Brothers, like, but, all you gotta do, bro, is, like, buy a gun or, like, whatever. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, I, like, that, and just are like, oh, you know, and someone says, like, oh, this guy might be a fed. It's, like you know who's like says people are feds, feds. Like, uh, it's not you know. So yeah, yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying that like there's there's any like you know principle you can apply. But again, part of that, there might be like a vibe based element to that. I do think that like there are interpersonal aspects of people. Where, like, you can pick up on these things. Like, I'm sure some people were suspicious of that guy before it was confirmed. Not everyone trusted him. Whether they were written off, some people did oh, to yeah. their detriment. So mm-hmm. you can tell, or you can at least try to tell. But, you mm-hmm. know, there's no rubric necessarily that you can apply across the board. Like, or, you know, yeah, like in any individual context. But... um no, Totally.
3: I, I mean, to extent he, there is
2: a rubric, like, you know, if someone's a complete sussler, I was also, telling you to buy guns and, like, trying to entrap you. Like, you know, that's kind of a rubric, but you know what I mean. There is. Um, if they're trying yeah. to
3: get you to do something that would, like, get you in trouble, yeah. then, <laughs> you know, or encouraging you to do stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's always, it pays to be... Uh, it's like when I met somebody <laughs> to Occupy, it's like, I'm actually a bomb-throwing anarchist. Like, <laughs> uh, cool? Like, cool. okay. I don't know. It's kind of sus. But, you know, I also was thinking about how... In in regards to the targeted individual thing is like, even though it spreads a lot on social media, like the targeted individual phenomenon is usually like, it's like people in real life following me around, right? It's always like cell phone videos of like, you know, this guy's like driving behind me or something like that.
2: Yeah, see that red car? Oh, you're following me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you knew what you're doing. See you, you know buddy. I see you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like yeah, and yeah, it's like shaking so much you can't see like what's going on. Yeah, and on. then like, like, you know, always like that. And then like if the car turns, it's like uh, he knew I he knew I noticed him, so he's going to, you know, and then like another car will come in. It's like, "Oh, here's the replacement." Shift you know, change. like yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, "Sorry, yeah. I don't mean to like laugh at people no, who are no, like no. in pain." Like, you know, that's not shouldn't do that, but I think that it, that it is even happen. if that is I think that that is unlikely to be what we just described, like the scenario of believing that like, you know, every time you go out of your house, like there is a car following you. And then like if that car leaves and the other one will come in, like even though like you're just like an average guy, like you're just living your life and aren't like a significant like threat to anyone necessarily. That is, I think we can say unlikely to like, you know, be an accurate understanding or a healthy understanding of the world. Right. Uh, leaving accuracy aside is probably unhealthy to live one's life that way, but that is different from, you know, well, uh, I
3: was just thinking about how, like, while that is still contained, like kind of a specific community, you know, the, the TI stuff, what has gotten more pervasive and popular is kind of the idea of being like an online targeted individual. Like it, they don't use that term, but like you can think kind of all across the political spectrum now, right? Like people always talking about like, I must be shadow banned, right? Like Twitter, yeah, you know, Twitter right, shadow yeah. banning me or, you know, I'm being uh, de boosted, or there's a big one like Russian troll bots. Yeah, Russian troll bots. Me. Yeah, all the we bots saw this are coming. In, yeah. We saw this in the last week with um that lady, for that brave lady from the Muller She Wrote podcast. Right. Where uh, she was kind of in this very, I mean, admittedly, very like in depth, uh, full of receipts, like mega thread that mm-hmm. some account did, you know, pointed out that she's been a little bit less than like super consistent about a lot of her stories about her military service, her grandfather's military service in World War II and other things like that. Also, I think um, using photos from a car crash she got into to like make up that her husband at the time like almost beat her to death. <laughs> but actually, she just got in a car crash like like yeah. kind of crazy shit like that. I mean, honestly, like real like obviously Mueller, she wrote like these resistance lib like blew it on people uh, not exactly super shocked that she's mm-hmm. like a disingenuous grifter um, yeah. who also was. Uh, I think we found a passionate defender of like Daniel Tosh's rape jokes in 2013. Yes,
0: yeah. Like she's she- claimed
3: that that was like she didn't write the blog that like has her name on it or give the interview that has her name in it. Yeah, it's like somebody else with her name and yeah. So she got caught red-handed. But then I noticed like a lot of these other blue anon accounts. Like I mean, some of our favorites. This sort of like. I think like Jim Stewartson, and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if Dave Troy popped off, but, you know, people in that kind of milieu were being like, as soon as I saw this thread, I knew it was a disinformatia, like, operation, like, from the Kremlin, like, because she's a brave democracy defender and all that shit, you know? And so they they just believe implicitly that there's, like, gangs of Russian trolls. I mean, we even ran into that earlier this year, even though we were not involved in it uh, at all with uh, another podcaster that assumed that everybody criticizing him on Twitter was a, a bot, right? Yeah, yeah that was, like, sent to, to take say, him out. I will
2: I have found it, like, I, you know, and again, I don't, I think that it's much more likely that these people are just, like, have a lot of time in their hands, or, like, have some kind of, like, parasocial thing going on, or, like, you know, really believe in the importance of what they're doing, but I have found it weird, like, how many zero-follower accounts there are that are, like, just all about, like, talking shit about us. Like, I feel like, oh yeah, I don't Oh, yeah. yeah. I found yeah, it to sure. be weird. I mean, I'm not saying those people are, I don't think those people are, like, you know, working for the government or anything. I feel like if anything else, like, they're you know if they were being paid by someone maybe they're being paid by someone who we've upset who might be working for the government (laughs) but like (laughs) anyway like you know i have found that weird but again uh you know i err on the side of saying like okay these are just like unwell people or like you know i don't even want to say they're unwell they're just you know very passionate about hating us online brain yeah
3: you could totally see it being like a kind of organic like phenomenon as weird as it is. But yeah, I don't want to like discount completely because I think like, like I said, what the big reason I would have, like the argument I would make against like sort of the pervasive TI phenomenon and all that stuff, is that like 40 years ago, if the FBI or the feds or anybody wanted to surveil you constantly they'd have to put agents on you to follow you around all day. You know what I mean? Right. Like you actually had to have people on you and they don't need to do that anymore because we all carry around surveillance devices in our pockets.
2: That's true, yeah. So
3: like, I mean, mean maybe, uh, I don't even think all these people that are TIs necessarily like, you know, totally forswear like carrying smartphones around with them. Maybe some of them do eventually. But, you know, like that, and then being a lot on of the them Internet, like sleep in Faraday title.
2: cages and like really do like elaborate There's stuff some that, yeah. To, mm-hmm. yeah, but like you know you're you're right like they it would not be and also like if it were some kind of experimental thing one wonders like what hypotheses they're trying to prove like you can drive someone crazy by sending agents to harass them all day and night like yes I feel you like can. they've known that for yeah a they've lot. known That's that a tried and true yeah. tactic like probably um, back to the
3: Pinkertons knew that shit like yeah. That you could fuck with people covert. I mean, they had police and informants, you know, labor informants and shit like that back in the 1870s. So like, it's it's not you know the Okhrana in Russia. Like these are not things that uh you know simply like the scary communists like made up and and, and also the Nazis were the same as them did it and like but like in free Western society it doesn't happen. I mean, I mean, the internet is a battleground of like psyops and like mm-hmm. by nature in a way people do become, can become targeted individuals. I mean, even just in the sense of like, you know, like, like demonetizing you or getting you like, like shadow banning shit. Like that does happen. Sometimes it's like the the luck of the fucking algorithm. Other times it is uh, maybe you get, you get flagged for, po- I, I think on Twitter, if you were posting like uh, about COVID stuff in a certain type of way, a few years ago, like you could very well end up on a kind of like deboosting sort of list and you know whatever the hot issue of the day is that's like beyond the pale of discourse it's like there's all the opportunities to get you flagged and then once you're flagged you might end up and it might just be some stupid automated thing that like fucks with you but you still have the same dynamic of like not knowing like am i consciously being fucked with or is this just like in my head or did the algorithm just rule against me somehow and like nobody's really directing it it just like is what the system is doing which to some extent I think is a valuable observation that like these systems were kind of uh true to the origins of the internet and in, like counterinsurgency. like it has these kind of dynamics built into it to some extent but I think there's more acute stuff like that like there's there's a whole office buildings across the national security state of you know keyboard warriors like fucking with yeah online and discourse. shadow
2: banning is a thing that like you know people at first like deny that there was any such thing at all but then it kind of came out that there definitely was like a like a pretty intensive maybe not as intensive as people believed but it still definitely was a thing that people were like deboosted for sure um, yeah, the government was you
3: know. asking people to you know yeah. boost certain accounts and stuff especially around the election there's a lot yeah of, you know fair enough matt Taibbi, there's some shady shit going on there mm, but i think it, yeah. it's like there's there's layers of it kind of still going on and also i mean a less talked about phenomenon a thornier phenomenon is like shadow boosting right right and I don't, shadow I boosting is sure. like a
2: huge thing with the fucking new twitter <laughs> i think oh, like yeah, i haven't yeah. noticed like well yeah, I just need, like, the the 4U tab is absolute, like, cancer. I'm not saying it's free from, the following tab is free from it, but just, like, the like the imposition of the For You tab, it's evil. It's just repugnant, and everyone on it is, is sus as hell. Uh, and it's just like all these
3: new, like, 500 follower blue check accounts. Yeah, like it's Elon so Musk
2: evil. Stan it's kind of the account. site has been really, like, you know, I'm not saying it was great before, but the old blue checks, you know, we learned to ignore them. They were part of the scenery. You know, I don't want to get used to a whole, like, new pack of, like, infinitely more, like, numerous, like, cr- like perfidious blue checks, but yeah I mean it's like a worse it's a worse experience for sure (laughs) like it's you know uh, it's a dark it has a dark
3: energy and uh, there is something about Twitter too I just gotta say like Twitter is such a hostile platform compared to all even all the other like every social media platform has it's like very big dark side but like there's something about like people come to Twitter with like their knives out like ready to fucking shiv each other in a way that true. I don't know it's like it doesn't happen as much on Instagram or definitely doesn't happen on
2: Instagram no instagram isn't the there's a thunderdome
3: aspect to it that sometimes in the facebook
2: comments it can get intense but yeah like again it has it sort of like everyone can see everything that you tweet you know unless you're private Mm -hmm. like uh
3: block everybody
2: yeah yeah it's not like facebook comments which is many different levels of privacy you know and like many different sort of checks you got to go through to like be able to like engage in this argument whereas like yeah this is like a public sphere, like knockout brawl. Instagram is similar, I feel like. You know, it's not just like everything is all over the place. TikTok is a little bit more like Twitter. I
3: guess so, yeah. yeah. But still, like, w- can, like anybody's tw- can get
2: stitched or whatever, but.
3: I yeah. would see Instagram as more like passive aggressive, you know? Mm-hmm. Like. Jealousy is a disease. Get well soon. I don't you know, really use it, it as much, fine. so I
2: can't really speak to it as well. But yeah, I, I do see what you're saying about how Twitter is like. Yeah, for sure, yes.
3: it encourages like it doesn't pylons um, and like you yeah know, pylons like yeah. like splits. It's a very it has very trot like DNA. <laughs> it has a lot of Trotskyism in its DNA of just like everything. Everyone has a newsletter and everyone's splitting all the time. <laughs> like you know yeah so. I don't know. I think there is Zersetsung all around us, but I think it's all American Zersetzung. Yes. You know, it is um, not for the uh, dictatorship of the uh, proletariat. So,
2: yeah, um, I'm just reading I mean. this, this Daily Beast article about this guy. It's still like is jaw dropping that, you know, and this really just happens all the time, you know, uh, same thing with the, you know, plot to kidnap the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. They, Absolutely. like, you know, also had, like, an entrapment concern and, like, yeah uh, you know, they tried to get it thrown out. The defense, like, it should get it thrown out because, you know, the FBI uh, infiltrator kind of egged them on. But, yeah, even without the court cases, Windiker had a chilling effect on Denver's racial justice movement, exploiting divisions in the Denver activist scene, according to multiple witnesses in an FBI report. The information CHS was receiving from the different groups at protests was like a flash flood, reads the FBI document. There were different groups with different agendas trying to take advantage of the protests. Hall Arroyo and two other activists said Windiker gained a faithful following among some members of a Young Democratic Socialists of America chapter. Ah, <laughs> this chapter has okay. since disbanded. Oh, got okay. One former, well, is the YDSA the same as the DSA? I don't know. A young. Well, it's for like
3: college students. Right, I think. Yeah.
2: That chapter has since disbanded. One former chapter leader, who multiple people identified as a key Windiker ally, returned a text message from the Daily Beast, but stopped responding when asked about Windiker. Hall and some others said YDSA members did reconnaissance for Windiger, scouting out marching routes at protests. YDSA activists, predominantly in their late teens and early 20s, came into conflict with other protesters as the protest scene turned chaotic. Amid a rash of arrests, locals suspected an informant in their midst and began accusing each other. If you were black and had some kind of role and Spoke at some point, you're a snitch. It was just happening like that. Random white people would be accused of it, Hall said. But when all the black people were labeled, those things are crazy. I think that made people feel defeated. What was left, I think, were people who were just pushing other folks away. The Black Hammer
3: in Colorado at that
2: time? I don't know, but...
3: Cherry on top.
2: He, <laughs> he made a video saying, if you're trying to implicate that I'm a fucking snitch, well, check this out. Three things I ain't: I ain't a punk, I ain't a bitch, and I ain't a fucking snitch. Um, well, but he was. Uh, okay, okay. Yes. Um, and the guy, the guy who he like, you know, egged on to buy a gun. His career is ruined. You know, he was previously an IT worker. He's been cast out of several companies' hiring processes when he discloses recent felony. Even any passed over for a delivery gig with DoorDash because his felony was gun-related so there you go wow even
3: doordash that's fucked yeah see that's why i don't like these hot shots that are always about like go get fucking arrested like and he was very much
2: like that he was like are we gonna do this or not like and he really like became a leader yeah exactly like some of us became visibly uncomfortable we started being like come on guys black lives matter don't they Soon thereafter, <laughs> yes. Windiger and the two people who arrived started blatant property damage in government buildings. Oh um, my god! Yeah, you know, black and block, and uh-huh. everyone got you know freaked out because like they, you know, he wasn't black, and he they were, were you know thinking like we're black people in Denver, we're like this is not um, why we're all here. Mickey was right there with people smashing windows, arson, doing a little activity. You know, it's my understanding from a couple of activists that Mickey helped call and organize this action, and recruited people from the park meetings to bring shields and riot gear. And also, you know, reading that. You really think about how that stuff has, like, resonated through the entire, like, country, like, the whole, like, narrative and, like, discourse around, like, those protests. Like, you know, we still have to, like, were they peaceful? Like, was there rioting? And, like, it's fundamentally contaminated by the fact that, like, you know... That has so many different like dimensions to it, but
3: anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. So and it's been us. going on for years. Like those the yeah those people that always want to like burn shit down. My friend who was at the protest in L.A. that turned like the huge riot on Fairfax was saying like. Yeah, when, when they were marching, it was, like, peaceful. I mean, it was kind of, you know, it was, like, a passionate protest, but they weren't, like, they weren't setting things on fire. And then these, like, white kids, you know, wearing, like, bandanas just popped up, like, out of nowhere and started setting police cars on fire. And, like, you know, no, no love lost for a burning police car. Like, the LAPD would be fine. But then the LAPD just started, like, immediately tear gassing the shit out of everybody and, like, dispersed the entire protest. So just from, like, a tactical perspective is that really like i get it you guys want to like fuck shit up because you've been sighed up by punk music so you think that's the way to go but then it ends up serving a purpose that is basically and then the lapd weirdly after gassing all the protesters and making them go away just withdrew from all the areas that were about to get looted for like a, a whole day and just let them get fucking looted you know by uh, all kinds of people and then of course that could be spun in a PR kind of way like you get people who are like supportive of the protest but uh, get kind of sketched out by like mass looting sorry people get sketched out by mass looting like it it, it is a thing that you know not everybody's going to love it even if they agree with the protest right like i'm not even saying it's always like oh it's like the worst thing in the world but you know there there's like an yeah. optics thing to consider and I think you saw in cities like Portland and Seattle, uh, where you had uh, another group of brave YPG veterans. Uh, I think it was them that lit up like a car that two black teenagers were driving with their like AR-15s and killed them. Right.
2: And that was Chaz, right? Yeah. yeah, And the Chaz. I mean, this is another and- thing about like, and this is, yeah, the whole like, uh, like arm yourselves leftist thing. Like, I'm not saying that it's like, you know, always, again, not saying that it's always an op. But something to be like vigilant about, you know, like if this guy's like, yeah, "Come on, man! Like, we need like to it uh, can go like bad directions." I feel like uh, I've heard some
3: stories about people that have like gone to those kind of like socialist gun club type of chapters, and while yeah. like I totally do, uh, we talked about that. Yeah, we discussed a recent Q&A, like how you know, uh, I am yeah. not gonna, I do not advocate taking the guns um, mm-hmm. from you know regular people in this country at all. But I think, and, and I do think like. Yeah, like, the ickiness that a lot of, like, left-leaning people have towards guns is maybe, like, you know, maybe, like, get over it. Like, it's not, you know, like, you know, being, like, categorically, like, ew, no, like, guns, evil. Like, I don't like that mentality so much, but the flip side of that, of, like, fucking arm yourself, if you're fucking serious right now. Yeah. Like, look at the gun on my fucking Twitch stream, like, pointed yeah. at the camera and shit. It's like, okay, like, that's also a way, an easy way to get fucking flagged and... I mean, we don't have to worry about it in California because you really can't tote guns after the Black Panthers did it and Reagan banned it. Uh, you can't tote guns like that. But in other states, you can. And, you know, I mean, I think you saw some kind of interactions in like Portland and shit where like some dumb fucking proud boys show up with their guns and then some edgy anarchist YPG guy has his gun. And then there is an escalatory nature to that where then like, you know, people can kill each other. That might not happen if people are just brawling out in the streets normally. That's also, yeah, like anything to do with guns. You just want to be careful that like you're not falling because it's a very easy fed trap for them to set. Is like even if you buy accessories that are like illegal in your state or something like that, like, you know, they have ways of like fucking with you. And so, yeah, that highly performative thing is just a little bit, I don't know. Yeah. Just measured vigilance uh, will go a long way (laughs) to not getting psyched into doing some dumb shit.
2: Yes. I think that something use that your vibes, of. like use your vibes. Like yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Like, again, you know, don't rely like entirely on your vibes, but things can constellate into a pretty good picture of, uh, you know, who you're dealing with sometimes, you know, if they're talking about mm-hmm. their diplomat and all their adventures, um, you know, in various <laughs> situations, uh, they're
0: well, yeah, speaking about like interest again, there's uh,
2: feds and there's fed like, you know, there's, uh, you yes, can err on the exactly. side of caution, you know? You don't have to commit yeah.
3: fully to. watch uh, to have for people that unwittingly turn themselves into a walking psyop.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: because it, it's uh, totally. Who's the original I mean, person just,
2: who called himself a walking psyop?
3: that was the 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 bernie stabber in oh portland, right um, yes he who, was the mind
2: controller he, too right that
3: might have been jared lofner oh. shot gabby giffords who said like right I am yeah sorry got them confused yeah yeah, yeah yeah no but he that, that was from like a facebook post or a 4chan post or something about him where it was like yeah this guy's known like he shows up at all the dsa like bernie kind of meetings in portland but he's super weird and like he's like referred to himself as quote a walking psyop with like yeah, two p's with, which is funny <laughs> like
2: with two p's yeah
3: yeah yeah and then he stabbed somebody on the uh, he he seemed kind of insane much like the bernie blaster and the uh that like Chapo Reddit guy who shot people in ohio there's been a few of those uh, not mm-hmm. as, not quite as many as like the white nationalist mass shooters but uh but they seem to have a been psyoped or psyoped themselves in some kind of way mm-hmm. so you know it can happen across the political spectrum too i Certainly. think i it's think right america right. is that's another difference between the stasi is the stasi had a politi- like a clear political valence and was like directed at enemies of that political system you know and political ideology whereas like america has this more like cybernetic approach of like like, let's fuck with like these white nationalist groups for a little while and get them to do plots, and then, like, let's infiltrate some leftist groups, like at the same time. Yeah. like well, they well you keep have this like, like balance two, going
2: on? Well, you have two increasingly polarized ruling factions that hate each other and who associate like certain groups like with their enemies like more closely, and like therefore, like you know, it can shift back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, like there are definitely some people who would be. Less concerned with like right wing terrorism or white nationalist terrorism versus like left wing terrorism or whatever or Islamist terrorism, whereas like you know, some people would be more concerned with uh, you know, right wing white nationalist terrorism, yeah. But yeah, I was just seeing the other day people debating like which is more common, you know, because that's like uh, is left wing terrorism or, or or you know, right wing terrorism, it's like a whole you know, people going back and forth arguing over. I mean I feel like it's definitely right wing terrorism however you know it's It a, is but narrative.
3: I don't I don't know how like productive that or like how meaningful that kind of like debate is necessary I mean cuz I, I just feel like I know the liberal who's making that argument and yeah, they're exactly, going to argue for like weird yeah. like more surveillance state shit and like it, I don't know it just kind of uh, like, yeah, a like basically to enshrine. the whoever wins we stuff. lose
2: situation because when it comes down to it whatever is like the bipartisan agreement will always be we need to monitor and like surveil like whomever it'll just become yeah dialectically like worse and worse over time like yeah because um, if,
3: if they get the powers they want to stop the big bad yeah. like white nationalist militias like it will absolutely be used against like the left in like 100 and in fact like, they'll
2: just decide like that a bunch of leftist things are right wing as now, well now
3: i mean if you don't have the right views about ukraine and putler and stuff that's like true. You, you, you basically know, get yeah, called that, like right wing even though uh, yeah yeah so
2: yeah increasingly happened. and i'm not saying that there isn't like uh entryism like going on where people i mean that's another thing like that's another dimension of this whole thing where it's like i think actually people whether wittingly or unwittingly i think that some definitely wittingly some you're you know just sort of useful fools who are trying to collapse like that distinction very actively, you know, to try to like push people into certain camps that are a uh, more easily targeted, you know, in the, in this way. You think, uh, um, Peter
3: Thiel is running his own Zersitzung program. Maybe,
2: uh, that's not even necessarily who I had in mind because I think that he, I don't know. I, my vibe of Peter Thiel is that he actually does like believe, you know, in, you know, I guess maybe he's adopt, less involved like, in disintegration like,
3: and more he, like integration, like integralist integration. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, like,
2: yeah, we haven't like done a deep dive on him. So I feel like his beliefs might be complex in terms of like how he's articulated them. Cause I do feel like sometimes like he, there are some contradictions with him where it's like, how are you like supporting this thing? Like for instance, like being opposed to like gay marriage or something when he's married to a guy, like that's weird that he's like a huge booster of that, and yet he is himself gay. Like it's but weird. Is he
3: like? Is he really against? I mean, is he like passionately against gay marriage? I, well, yeah, I but I feel like that if that you have your
2: own. own funded candidate, like I guess maybe it's just an easier like platform to win on the right, maybe. But I almost feel I like it's I weird. Never like seen if him you're spending your own money on much. someone. Well, like Blake Masters definitely was opposed to gay marriage, right?
3: Yeah, but the, I've. I do feel like gay marriage is like even with the conservatives is like very low on the list of priorities of like overturning like everybody's passion for like skate. I mean, now there's the groomer discourse, but even that is like not really trying to go after gay marriage. It's about like, you know, Well, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. Stuff. I learned my lesson because I actually was With skeptical. I was skeptical I mean, about Roe v. Yeah.
2: Wade myself, you know. I didn't think that was gonna happen. Or, you know, I considered it a possibility as I always do, leave the door open, but I, I was generally thinking like that they wouldn't go there. So I I'm just, not gonna rule it out, honestly.
3: But I think the the um, level but, the, the extent to which like conservatives in America give a shit about gay marriage versus giving a shit about abortion is like like, maybe 20 years ago, they were
0: It depends closer, who you're talking
2: like, about. because Well, no, I think that... I mean, abortion, like, you know, is, like, people's lives being depending on, like, what... For the people who are the most passionate about it, it's, like, categorically murder no matter what, right? So that's obviously, like, a higher priority than gay marriage. However, it is something that, like, because anything can be turned into... Like, as you just said, like, it's it's still... Like abortion, obviously, is a threat to, you know, if you consider it to be categorically murder under all circumstances, like which they do, uh, The people who are passionate uh, uh, opponents of of abortion rights, generally speaking, like who are truly ideologically committed to that and not being cynical. But also like we are seeing now, like, as you said, like the groomer thing, like that's also a threat to children. Uh, that's how it's being framed. Yeah. It's Also a huge yeah. imminent danger. So no, I feel like I, right again, but I just not, haven't not, seen Peter too. Yeah. I my mean, main thing was that like, but just to even like, again, I'm just sort of saying my main point is like the people who he promotes and what they say, like, does he care? Like, like how much, how invested is he in their, in their agenda per se, or does he just want to create instability? I think it's kind of like a mix of both, you know? Like uh, uh, yeah. and also I, I like tactical considerations maybe I don't
3: know but. yeah there is there is. I just think about him I mean because rather than disintegrating I think his focus is actually more on like grooming I'm using that in the broad <laughs> sense grooming and like rizzing up like certain people to espouse like a certain to, to like gravitate towards a certain ideological range that is kind of in his wheelhouse and kind of promote various things that I think he actually does. I think he, he has a vision of the world that he cares about whether everything he kind of puts money and influence towards is like just a tactical pivot, to, like on the long dialectical path to get there. Or if it's like something he really, really believes in, I mean, that's a little muddier, but I do feel like he, he's very interested in like, uh, doing a, a almost a kind of a, a Stasi like, you know, data collection, you know, uh, kind of thing on people like with palantir and everything yeah and figuring out how to like you know sort of seduce like various like influencers i mean i mean for like for example right now a lot of people that i would put sort of like remotely in the teal verse tend to be on kind of the the conservative side of like the Tucker side of being like skeptical about the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm, and then it makes me sure. think like, well, what's Peter Thiel's interest in not being totally Slava Ukraini? You know, that seems a little bit weird because he is the Palantir guy. He certainly kind of loves the national security state, but he also like doesn't like these these demon rats that are these globalist demon rats that are like running it. He has a kind of different vision for it. I, I mean, I think a lot of it might be, I think he's a big China hawk. So he has that classic, like we should be focusing on China kind of thing going on. Mm, um, yeah. But, but like on the face of it, it seems a little contradictory. We like this guy that makes so much money from like working with the Pentagon and the CIA is like uh, anti-war. Okay. Like, and all the politicians he backs are similarly kind of sounding that kind of perspective uh it's it, like on the face of it it seems a little odd but you know maybe there's a longer term strategy i don't know
2: yeah i'm not sure how yeah but i you know when i was initially saying that i think i was thinking of like you know people who are like oh you know what communism really is is like being maga or something you know and you see many, many different right. valences of that from people who you wouldn't necessarily think would be like uh, in accord on Something like that, you know, and I think That's the true. issue of Ukraine does inflect that, you know, and it's interesting that that always comes at a time when it's like Joe Biden is up on stage saying that like the MAGA movement is like terrorism or something, you know, or like yeah. there's all this focus on like the threat of like right wing terrorism. And then, you know, communist, there's this communist, th- th- communist, like yeah, that then there's effort to make to sure that we be clear that. Communism is also part of that or something, you know, it just almost seems like consolidating things, making sure that everything, you know, is yeah. organized uh, in like one convenient category like that. If we're going to say that, like, you yeah. know, right wing terrorism is our main threat and our priority, we c- might mm-hmm. make sure that we don't exclude people who are on like, the left from that and make sure that we push everyone into this yeah. one group that we conveniently, yeah, like go after, you know. It's if we're going to say the extreme kind of, right is the problem, then the extreme left also has to be on the extreme right. Um, it does feel but,
3: very know. Sorosian and Popperian, basically, that we need to gather all the, all the baddies of advocates of the closed society just into one big, like, bad group uh, and kind of yeah. collapse all the differences. Like, you know, oh, they make excuses for Putler, They think the Soviet Union was not that bad. Okay, well, they're basically closed society, like, bad people then like we don't need to sort of
2: yeah uh, and again know, i specify haven't any like deeper. i yeah i could change my mind on this but i feel like some of the people who push that stuff like what like some people like genuinely believe in it because they're fools like um and some people are you know doing it in order to create that like you know cynically in order to create that yeah uh, for cynical reasons in order to create that like single category that can be targeted and then i think like there's peter teal who like Definitely is not, like, totally upfront about, like, what his beliefs are or what his agenda is. And is definitely extremely manipulative and not just, like, naive in the way that some of the some of the people who do, like, you know, believe in, like, you know, like, uh, communism's MAGA or whatever are. But mm-hmm. I also feel like he does ultimately want, like, his dark elves to, like, win, <laughs> you know? Like, he doesn't want... Absolutely. It's not just, like, a strategy of tension. He, like, wants whatever, the cultural supremacy. He wants to, like, control the narrative through, like, his... Groomed, exponents or whatever you want to call him. I think
3: it is fair to call him a groomer. In a certain yeah, type of, th- in that yes, type of way. Yeah, true. He's a political I, groomer.
2: Oh, he's definitely you know, a political groomer. Yeah. I mean,
3: he's like he's like aristocracy pilling all of these like influencers. I mean, some of them, like you know Moldbug was already there, but you know these younger influencers kind of seducing them into like with, you know his fucking. Edward DeVere balls or whatever. I mean, honestly, it's so boring. Stupid. I want to so do an episode about like
2: Shakespeare authorship theories. Um, I feel like it's a, settle you know, it in once a and for all. Yeah. Um, yeah. could be fun. You know, I don't know. But he's definitely a sus lord. And there was recently that, like, the death of his uh, his boyfriend, kept, right? So, his yeah. kept
3: man yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who plunged to his death from a Miami condo after, uh, once again, uh, getting intercepted by the intercept. He was feeding them, yes. you know, information. Speaking of them, I just watched that uh, reality winner movie.
2: Oh, yeah. With Sidney mm-hmm. Sweeney. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, God. I, I forget if somebody had asked us in a Q&A about reality, but I just really can't get over the name. Like it's, but that's, a, I mean, I don't know what's really going on with that. It is pretty obvious that the intercept, like just straight up snitched her out. But the weird thing about reality winners thing is that even unlike Snowden, who had like a somewhat coherent reason for why he was doing what he's doing, like she was like a hardcore Russia gator. And like the information she leaked was like an internal intelligence report about, like, Russians trying to hack into, like, some local election center or something. And she was just, like, so enraged by, like, the drumf man, like, mm-hmm. that had just won that she thought, like, this is in the public. Like, I have to do my patriotic duty and, like, leak this to the fucking Intercept who promptly turned her in. And then, of course, the FBI, like, comes down on her, like, a ton of bricks. But that's almost like a new kind of, like, insider threat sort of paradigm in especially after, like, Trump came on the scene of, like... And I think you get it from either side. Like, you get it from, like, conservatives working in government or, like, libs who get so psyoped by, like, watching cable news that they end up doing some dumb shit, like, leaking, like, a stupid... Like, an inconclusive report about Russia, like, cyber hacking, like it's like not even clear if they succeeded or like it's not like we have proof they changed votes you know like that would be a real bombshell but it was just like typical vague like maybe russia was kind of like up to something maybe and she like risked like losing her top security clearance and like going to prison to like it's fucking hard for me to really like rally behind like like she is like the truth teller that we need like I don't know. If you're going to go down for something, go down for something bigger. But I don't know. I thought it was an interesting example of like how you could like, I don't know, just be psy by like media into feeling like you have to become a dissident. So like, I'm sure the FBI is like, like they had to make an example out of her. Is like, that's, no, it's not She cool. should have just like, been
2: uh, heroic, like the Mueller she wrote woman and fought Trump in another way. Although she... According to her, she, she, she did. Ha- she was fired from her job because of Trump. You know he persecuted her <laughs> podcast. Um,
3: she also got she, a PPP loan yeah. to like build uh, a swimming pool in her backyard. Yeah, very cool.
2: What is it um, with these people of Lord of the, uh, in Lord of the Rings? I'm reading this article about Peter Thiel right now. As a new millennium oh, yeah. began, Thiel's interest and profile began to shift. Following September 11th, Thiel became increasingly consumed by the threat posed by Islamic terrorism, and grew skeptical of immigration and of all forms of globalization. While working at his new head from Clarium Capital, Teal bankrolled a project called Palantir, Fire by the Seeing Stone. Was not the color, what we all know. But mm-hmm. what is it? What, why are they all obsessed with Lord of the Rings? That's also another sauce. Oh, thing. he, he like, has he like
3: Mithril Lord. Investments. Yeah. vilar' is like another ideology. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's obsessed. He's a huge Like, what the fuck? Uh, like it's
2: Tolkien it sucks. Nerd. It sucks, dude. Like the Lord yeah, of yeah, the. Mold I'm Bund sorry. 2. I was rereading oh, like I was rereading Lord of the Rings recently. Like the first like little bit of it. The best part of it is like the like the fucking, like, fake history of, like, Hobbits and, like, the appendices and stuff, honestly. Like, the actual <laughs> book is, like, someone's blog about their d campaign. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get, like, dragged for saying this, but I, I want to do, like, a Sus Tolkien episode. Oh, later. interesting. Maybe not, like, about Tolkien itself, like, himself. Like, I don't know if he was Sus, maybe. But There's stuff to
3: look into with him. But I feel like he was the, writing the a, like, legacy, the descended. Sus legacy yeah.
2: of Tolkien is, like, worth considering I feel like but the deep um,
3: obsession that people have with like his world is interesting
2: yeah I never have found the book Lord of the Rings to be to be very impressive and mm. I think that
3: uh, I liked it in high school I read the three in high school when the movies were it's, coming out I can out see it I, being uh, like entertaining
2: the, for for like young boys it has that like very it very much has like a boy scout vibe and it's obviously based on like his experiences like being in World War One, like travelling around with a group of, of, of dudes, like and mm-hmm. you know, the sort of like good timey, like early twentieth century like pals, you know, through danger or whatever. But yeah. You know, so it's kind of like yeah, like a I worse version, a f- like a, a kiddie version of the things they carried with like elves and <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, and those evil orcs from the east. Yeah, right? from
2: Harad, the men from Harad and their elephants. I mean, it's the Mumakil like, or whatever. Literally the know? villains
3: are like like scary goblin communists and like scary Muslims on like elephants. They're like those are literally the bad Absolutely
2: guys. Muslims. Yeah. And you can uh, tell like in by the, Satan, basically. Yeah, you can tell like in the languages that he used is like because he's you know very much a philologist and like you know just the way that the evil i mean you don't need to even know the languages honestly to to associate with yeah
3: yeah i know Um, yeah it's it's quite obvious and peter jackson made it pretty obvious yeah Um, the movie make it
2: even more i mean
3: coming out right after 9-11 helped i I think for yeah yeah. and then also what did the brave you know as a battalion ukrainian soldiers uh call the russians now right
2: oh right yeah orcs Mm -hmm. they
3: call them orcs
2: Yes. Well that originated with uh Chechens, right? K- Kadyrov orcs. Right. Oh, uh, did they did the Russians start calling Well, the I Chechens remember orcs. seeing like the like pork greased bullet like TikToks and videos and things like that, you know, uh invoking like orcs. Oh, they were calling you
3: know? the, the Chechens or the the yeah. Ukrainians were yeah, dipping the, yeah. the pig fat and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh god, I remember that. Yeah. Wow. It
3: was like forever ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, Manche Leute lieben nur die Nacht.